I don't think I ever pushed to be on the podcast. Uh, Ryan said you were doing Psychic Serpent. I said, ooh, I really love that fit. Can I be on? He said, yeah, sure. I just never left. Me, I started with voicemails and I started with, you know, warning this fic. Step up. Step up. Good boy. We've been making progress today. Faraday is a cockatiel and he's been uh, biting as of late, but he's been getting better. Slowly but surely, he will step up onto the finger now and not bite at least me so much. He still won't let me give him the noogies like he used to like, but uh, we're working on that too. He gets very jealous when Curie gets the noogies and he comes over like he wants them, but he won't allow them. So he's a very confused little bird. He tries to woo, but every time she goes to snuggle up to him, he runs away. He's a very confused little creature. So Aaron has gotten back in contact again. He's a very confused little creature. He's doing well. Yep. That's good. He he sent me a text message out of the blue the other day. Actually, what it was, I had seen the files for his fic starting to update through mm-hmm. the Dropbox. So I said, aha, he is alive. And then shortly after that, I got a text message saying that he was going to be working on the thing again. Well, and cool. he has just started listening to the bad fic podcast and hearing me gush so much about it has and hearing ps so expectant for it he is feeling guilted into finishing it that's what i like about the story is where it picks up it's harry at a very very vulnerable point and it's not picking up in the summer back with the dursleys yeah it has the feel of a year five fic but it's not precisely so yeah by choosing to pick it up at the end of the fourth year when all of the action has just happened and now we're in the coming down stage from that, I think is a very interesting choice on the part of the author because it just shows the area of the psyche that we want to get into. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. It, it, did it work? Does my mic sound okay? Because otherwise I can switch to my headset. You sound pretty hello. good. APS. How do I all sound? Right. Keep talking. <laughs> I'm going to keep talking. Um, when should I stop? Well, well I'm going to get, right. get you started. I totally do not understand the rationale you have for Bill and Saul to be together. Go. <laughs> what, the, what are you talking about? Okay, so, well, I've clearly... just attacked Faith Caring, so go. Defend it. Black <laughs> sheep, have you any wool? She's yes, not getting sir, it. Oh, yes, my God. Sir, three bags. Oh, my God. I forget the rest of the words. One for my master, four and one for the dam. Boy, one for the little boy that lives down the lane. <laughs> Forget what I was trying to get her to do. This is way more entertaining. <laughs> P.S. What other nursery rhymes do you know? Little Jack Horner sat in the corner and pulled out a plum or something. <laughs> Little Jack Horner sat in the corner eating his Christmas pie. He stuck in his thumb oh, and yeah. pulled out a plum pulled and said, pulled what? Out plum, said, what a good boy am I. There you go. Yeah. All right. Connection sounds pretty good. Yeah, I don't hear any tea okay. kettle. But that's what makes me happy. Yeah, the tea kettle. <laughs> okay, tea kettle. So, I'm I'm sorry. But, it's it's the best I could do at that time, and now it's better. Apparently, yes. I'm so happy. We're all happy. I'm happy too. Happy because the Orioles are winning. I have it on oh, mute. Oh shit! I need to but, turn on that. I, I need to oh, turn that on. Oh shit! Shit! Fucking hit. <laughs> They're playing the Yankees. Okay. You can all hate on with me. Yes, I hate the Yankees too. Though I, the only <laughs> thing I hate more than the Yankees are the Cubs. May they go their 104th year without going to the series. <laughs>
Why would you kick somebody when they're down like that? Because mean. it's, the, it's the curse. No, it's because no, of the I curse. Know, I know she's a White Sox fan, but I just think it's, yeah, it's right. Sue is right. It's me. It's now, I mean, maybe, maybe this is 14 straight losing seasons talking, but they, I mean, they, I they kicked out a goat. They kicked out They're a goat. No, they kicked out a goat it. 104 years ago. They get the curse. I'm sorry. Curses are made to be broken. <laughs> 104 years ago, the goat was their mascot. And one day they decided that the goat wasn't going to be allowed in the stadium anymore. So they kicked no, it wasn't the goat their out of the stadium. That's not story. The guy, story? There's a guy who wanted to bring his goat to the stadium and they wouldn't let him. And he put a curse on them. It was the goat's That's mascot. The, story. the goat was not the <laughs> this is going to be an interesting night, I can tell. Well, it was a pleasure having you in Boston. It was fantastic meeting you. Deathrow is a legit person. <laughs> Deathrow and Ryan are legit? Okay. I thought I was no, talking I to robots all this time. What, what, I lo- what I loved about that whole thing is my brother thinks that Ryan is the non-legit person, but Death, he's fine. Woo-hoo. What's wrong Let's with Ryan? legitimate. I don't know. It was because you met Ryan first, and since you yeah. met Ryan, so, and Ryan was legitimate, the death roll must be legitimate just because, you know, if one yeah. worked, then the other one must. Yeah. Too legit to quit. Ooh, no, it was, death roll. It was, Wait, I have news for you. Maybe, news for me? Maybe. Maybe. Okay, I have to find this link. It took me an hour to find this link earlier today, but I think this one's going to be easier because I'm allowed to use Facebook. My goodness, I'm curious now. Not allowed, uh, not yes, allowing yourself yes. to do it or something. I don't know what I Where thought. are you living now? I'll cut this out, I promise. Close to Boston? Reasonably so. Okay. What are you doing Saturday, June 9th? Nothing as far as I know. Uh, oh, is that the uh, Star Kid thing? Yes. Yes, I saw that. That's what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> I Didn't you see? I replied to that with a question about a potential Boston meetup. That's right, you did. I do remember that now. I get to meet them this weekend. That's cool. I mean, they're stationed here, so I guess StarKid isn't like as big a deal to me as like it is for everybody else. Uh, yeah, but go tell them we say hi. Tell them we'll see them in Boston. I'm going to be like, I have this really awesome podcast you need to listen to. Do it. <laughs> oh, oh, I, by the way, so when Julia and I were at the MLS, we, there was this like wall of like where you could put little pieces of paper up. And Julia and I, she did uh, Whomping Willows and Vlogbrothers and I... I, of course, did Potterfic Weekly. <laughs> and I said, awesome. um, like, Draco and Leather, uh, Yellowstone, Peeves, www.potterficweekly.com. Boats. Great. That's Boat. really fun. Boats. Don't forget the boats. Boat the boat boats, boats are like regular boats. It's impossible <laughs> to forget about the boats. Kat and I actually discussed the boat boat situation. Did you discuss actually driving one? Um, no, we did not uh, engage the possibility. I don't know drive a boat. Oh, I you do. Could. Is driving I, the boat the correct term? Yes. Uh-huh. It is. Unless it's a mean? sailboat, and then it would be sailing the boat. Sailing the boat. But yeah. if it's yeah. a boat, boat, boat. Yes, if it's a boat, <laughs> boat, then I cannot believe we are here. No, because no, the thing is, okay, I have, no, this is a serious question. If it's a oh, string no. boat, how, <laughs> how do you steer it? It's, oh, with the wheel. With okay, the wheel. This string, no. This no, a string pulley boat, 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 bo
pulley boat has a post like handle that comes out from the motor. Oh, the dealie on the back. Okay. I know on that. It, and you can twist the throttle to give yourself more power, and you push it to make it go one way, and you pull it towards you to make it go another way. And it's all in where so you position the propeller. That's how you steer it. Right. Okay. And a boat boat has a steering wheel with a rudder. Right. And the next step up would be a ship. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, all right. This makes starting to make more sense. <laughs> There's another interesting distinction b- between what, a ship and a boat. What is the correct name for a boat boat? A boat. Motorboat. Motorboat. Oh, motorboat. Okay. Yeah. Well, it could be like something else. I thought motorboats were string pulley boats. Well, then that what we just said? Motorboats were string pulley boats? Well, so that there's like the little motorboat that has little, just a little boat like boat. motor in the back. And then there's like the big motorboat that's the boat boat. And then there's a sailboat. <laughs> there are lots Is of different types of boats. No, it's not a yacht. A yacht would not be a string pulley boat. No, yachts are No, I know that, but is a yacht a boat boat? What was the boat yes. that Jenny had? The boat that Jenny um, had was a motor boat, so it would look... No, that had... Okay. The, wait, that Jenny had, had steering wheel. That's how we got on this whole thing. Good God, In what fic? <laughs> in what fic did Jenny have the boat? Because I know in... in it was Melinda's Barb's fic. trilogy, no, she had to steer the boat. And that was a sailboat. That was Snape's sailboat. Right. No, this is different. Yeah. This but, is... But then there's Melinda's I thought the whole boat, boat incident came about because Mike didn't believe Ginny could drive a boat. Gin, yeah, Mike did not believe that Ginny could drive a boat. Okay, so I would say this one's pretty big. So I'm going to go with this one. I would say that this is probably kind of like the boat that Ginny had. I cannot believe we're having this conversation. <laughs> that Ginny had... In something like this, only it was bigger because it had twenty thousand pull in it, and it probably had a canopy over it. It could Wait, be no, but, something but as was, big see, as this. But if it was, that, if it was, wait, if the, it had twenty thousand people on it, on it, like, wouldn't it be a ship? It, it had ten. Okay, I was just like doing the math. The boat I pictured in the fic where Jenny drove a boat okay. is like this one's a little bit a bigger, boat. and this is probably closer. This is to what. Th- this I one you shared here is somewhat as, of a cross between yeah. the string boat and the boat boat that we're thinking of. Yeah. Okay. The so second boat she put, this is the like the smallest of the posted, boat boats. Is the one I pictured as Ginny having in Melinda's story? Because this this yeah, one here, it's more like that, I, the Aqua Nuisance, the boat that Snape had in Barb's story was, I think, a yacht mm-hmm. or a sailboat. Was it a sailboat? Was it stated to be a well, sailboat? a sailboat and a yacht like are two completely different things. Completely. No, I'm asking, was it stated to be a sailboat or a yacht? It was stated to be a sailboat because they had to furl sail in the middle of sieging. Okay, then it's a sailboat. Okay, That's and this is. is a string pulley boat. I love this conversation. <laughs> yes. Yes. This, that this, is this, a yeah, that's a string pulley boat. Beyond a shadow one, of a doubt. The, the first one you showed is the smallest of what I would consider a boat boat. And the uh, the second one you showed is the yacht, and that's definitely a boat boat. I would agree. I- to answer your question, your original question, the string pulley boat is an outboard motor boat. I love the birds. And, okay, so now here, this is the boat I have. Wait, Sue, you have a boat? Yes. This is just coming out now? How long have you had a boat? <laughs> Quite some time, actually. I've had it since my 40th birthday. So it's it's going to be a toy boat. Or maybe a rowboat. Canoe? So now, we haven't talked about rowboats. You're closer. 
kayak. Is yeah. it a raft? No, it's oh, a cool. kayak. Nice. But none of the none of the kayaks in these images are even close to my kayak, so I'm not actually finding something that works. So do you have the double paddle? Actually, this looks like my kayak. <laughs> is this why you wanted to go like he is rafting? So funny. He is so funny. He's what holding he up doing? one foot and his head's is bobbing it, up and this, down. Is this curious jerk face? <laughs> this is Faraday the jerk face. His head is bobbing up and down. He's holding up one foot in the air and he's got his wings arched back. He looks so silly. Wait, what is this animal? It's an animal. What animal? <laughs> it is a cockatiel. Now he's got a full spread going on and his head's bobbing up and down and his foot goes up in the air. I wonder what that noise was. <laughs> I was. I'm sitting right next to them. Actually, Death, this is this is. Whoa, hello. Death, it, was, my, it was so funny. Uh, Sunday yeah, morning, I woke up with it. all these like scratches on my on the, on the back of my hand, and I was like. What the heck did I get into yesterday? And it took me two days to realize they were claw marks from uh, Curie. Because <laughs> Curie had crawled under the back of my hand. Mm-hmm. Well, for a second, I was just like, do I have some sort of death rash that I have gotten <laughs> from meeting Pufuanians? From meeting death. <laughs> <laughs> I played your vo- your um, Centauri voice for my father, who's a big Babylon 5 fan, and he was entertained by your voice. A thousand years ago. <laughs> and you tell me these That's things the only- that makes me happy. <laughs> I can only say a thousand years ago. I can't say anything else. You cannot even say that this. No, I can't. <laughs> it sounds like some other country. Didn't even know what accent that was. I will be podcasting in this voice tonight. Yes. I think this is an excellent idea. Did you guys look at my kayak? It seems very interesting and laid back. Does that guy come with the kayak? I, think so. <laughs> I was in the middle of the hunt for Red October when I got pulled on this. I'm very sorry to hear that. It is a very good I was Are you watching the kitty? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I'm not going to post the link to this. I'm just going to I'm just going to leave this in and let people just let it laugh. <laughs> Wonderful example of her laughter. Yes, it is. Yes. I'm crying. <laughs> Damn it, Sue. I told you not to watch it. Oh, I hate it when I hate the fact. So, like, when I'm sad, I don't cry ever. But like, when I laugh, like tears just stream down my face. And so, when I'm laughing at like a podcast in the middle of the street, people like will pull me over and be like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah." It's fine. Like you're crying. I'm like I laugh when I cry, and it's just it's really frustrating. And welcome back to Potterfic Weekly. Oh no, no, no! You are fired, Mike. (laughs) Hey, Ron. The next time. Previously on Potterfic Weekly. Where would you like to start, Sue? <laughs> well, we'd like to start at the beginning. That would be awesome! My resolutions for this Potterfic Weekly season is not to snort. Welcome to Potterfic Whatever. Oh, Scott. <laughs> did, we, did we lose Scott? Okay, what did I miss? <laughs> Am I surrounded by Hufflepuffs? You yes, are. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. 
Apparently, I'm Jen, and I don't know my alphabet. No, she's the poster child for our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I need more meds. My meds have kicked in, I can tell. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's two. That could possibly be three. Moving right along. I felt like a rock star. Just really big knickers. Pants are your underpants, not oh. trousers. Waterpick Weekly, defining strange terms for your edification. <laughs> but I was planning on getting ravished anytime soon. Really, honestly. <laughs> Sex and snorkax, two of my favorite subjects. I love Snape. You are quite possibly clinically insane. In the nicest sense of the word, of course. <laughs> We'll always laugh before the end Butterfink Weekly Where the story never ends And welcome back to Potterfick Weekly. I am Londo Malari. I am Susan Ivanova. I'm Sue, the keeper of the hat. Uh, I'm Cat. I'm just enjoying the entire thing right now. And we are here. Why weren't you somebody, Cat? I'm. I, you took mine, and also because all the you other women. You could have been Laurel Takashima. <laughs> Doesn't everybody want to be Laurel Takashima? <laughs> she was in like one movie, and that's it. You could be Boomer. Or you could be. You could be <laughs> Natas. Uh, who, fine. Who's, I'm the, who's the one that wore the purple suit? Kosh. I'm Kosh. I'm Kosh. <laughs> I'm purple Kosh. Do we want to do that again now? Then? <laughs> you don't want to be Lita or maybe Talia? I hate Talia. Very good. So, Lita, or do you just want to be purple Kosh? I want to be purple Kosh. And welcome back to Potterfic Weekly. I am your host, Lando Malari. I am Susan Ivanova. A leaf falls only once. I am Purple Kosh. And I'm Sue, the Sorting Hat Keeper. We have not yet decided upon a suitable position for Sue, or for this creature she calls Hat, but we are working on it. We have an issue in committee. So, we are here tonight to discuss the wonderful story called Vox Corporis by Miss Anthropic, which is a very interesting name. And I am drinking lots of wine tonight, so it should be very good discussion. And I've got a mudslide. I'm happy. The story begins at a very interesting place in the canon. And it should be noted that the author takes her canon from the movies, except for where she needs to pull in this or that detail because it just does not happen like pigwidgeon. So we come to it and it is just after the events of the graveyard and Harry is in very, very bad place. He looks like Nan after we bombed it with mass drivers. <laughs> I thought you were going to use the voice, but I didn't realize you could do it in character. <laughs> that was um, amazing. So one of my first thoughts, I'm really feeling sorry for Death Row, and I'm very happy that he's not actually having to go to work tomorrow because he's going to have no voice tonight. <laughs> <coughs> Um, yeah, we got a podcast around at two death. We like save your voice a little bit. My first I will do my best to preserve the voice for discussion tomorrow because we'll be discussing good fiction. Good God. <laughs> 
so we have the chaos in Moody's office. And of course, we have them discovering the real Moody in the, the chest. And we have McGonagall guarding the fake Moody. And all these things are happening. And Harry, instead of, oh, man, we lost, what's his name? Londo. We huh? lost Londo. What are we going <laughs> to do without Londo? Hold up. Purple Clash needs a beer. Oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> he hit the wrong button and he hung up on himself. I'm putting that as my thing. Purple Clash needs beer. Welcome back, Ambassador Malari. Ah, thank you for that warm welcome. It is good to be here. Okay, Purple Clash is back with I, her beer. I- I would interact back with you in character, but I have forgotten a lot of what that Susan does. So I'm sorry. So my first thought was, how big is Moody's office? All this stuff <laughs> is going on, and poor Harry's been shuffled off into the corner, and they're doing they're they're talking to the Ministry. They've brought in people to you know kiss the fake Moody. They're taking Moody to the hospital. All these things are going on. And here's poor Harry standing in the corner, looking smaller and smaller, and he's just thinking, I'm full of evil. And nobody notices him. And I'm thinking to myself, that must be a really big office, that all that stuff's going on and they can overlook Harry. Well, Harry's been herded to the anteroom of the office. Okay. Does it have an anteroom? I don't. I know, right? <laughs> Apparently it does. Um but I don't know. I think we get some pretty good impressions from the movies that if we look at Lupin's office, for instance, it's it's pretty big. Yeah, but it just oh, seems like there's a lot going on in this office. I think that's one thing we have to keep in mind is that the author takes their canon from the movies. And as okay. such, everything is really big because it makes for nice wide shots and you have to have lots of space for all these people to be in there. So, okay. I um found it I found it particularly in- interesting that like Harry's injured and nobody notices like he's bleeding he, I imagine like him like just kind of dripping blood from his arm and like <laughs> oh me too he's just there's like a little pool of blood on the ground and he's just like yeah I'm going to stay here I'm just like a ghost. He's, I wonder what would happen if I die. Someone's going to slip on the blood sooner or later. <laughs> I, I want to drop in here, Bob. The human body can be drained of blood in 8.6 <laughs> seconds. There you go. So I'll give you the quote. Um, he's in shock. He's and in big time shock. He's been through a very, very traumatic experience and he's safe now, but his brain hasn't quite processed that. And he's also losing blood, which can also cause you to go into shock. And he's been crucioed. Yep. Yes. So, yeah, the kid's barely hanging on. And on top of all of that stuff, he's thinking that he has part of Voldemort. In. Yep. He can feel the evil. There was a blackness in his blood. He felt a thick, dark weight push through him with every hollow heartbeat. It pounded in his temples, ached on his forehead, sludged with freezing tendrils to his limbs and skin. I mean, he's feeling pretty crappy here. Mm-hmm. It's like he can sense the Horcrux in him mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. than just... I, I mean, it definitely feels informed by that more than just the fact that Harry's blood was used to bring Voldemort back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure precisely when this began being published. Um, maybe somebody could find that for us. She said but... she's read through uh, October Blood 6th, 2006. Okay. So, all right. So the author has read Half Blood Prince and has stepped back a little bit to mm-hmm. tell a story. So, I mean, that's definitely influenced by the Horcrux. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. But it's possible that this sort of 
um, imagery could also be evocative of the connection there via the blood. I think it's also really interesting that, you know, it, it's a great timing because after all the things that happened in book four, I personally expected Harry to react somewhat to the fact that he just saw his parents. And there was very little reaction to that. And in this, there's a much more like, well, what if I were dead, like my parents, whom I just saw? It's much more present, and I think it's much more realistic that when you're around death as much as Harry has been around death, you're going to think about, what if I were dead? You're going to think, you know, I'm losing blood. It could happen. I could just let it go. Yeah, That's true. There's more than just the physical fact of the shock going on here. There's the emotional impact because of the magical aspect of all this. He did just see his parents. Mm Mm-hmm. And that has got to be rattling him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's seen he's seen them before in the mirror of Erised, but wow! It's I mean, I don't even. Yeah. This is a mind it's, job. Right. Well, he talked to him. I mean, like, yeah, I was going to say the same thing. In the mirror, he didn't get talked to, but in this, they talked to him. Go ahead, PS. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say. I mean, that that's. I mean, since this is coming off of the movies, and I kind of wanted to have a comment about that, but we kind of got past that. But I think. That part of the movie, as much as, I mean, I'm someone that always, always ragging on the movies. I don't think they're very strong films, but I think this part is one that always gets me. No matter, you know, even no matter how weak the overall film is, the scene in the graveyard mm-hmm. where Harry's talking to his parents and even to Cedric, that part always makes me cry. So I think that this is a very interesting, you know, from a meta standpoint, an interesting place to come out and say, that you're going to be prolific, not only just set it in the movie verse, but to explicitly break with canon in a set place. Because usually we're used to AUs that are like a certain what if, instead of just completely disregarding canon completely yeah. of what came later. So mm-hmm. I, I definitely agree. And I, I think in some ways I like the fact that she chose the end of book four to break because it seems, but at the same time, like it seems everyone has broken uh, their chosen their AUs at the end of book four because it's a great starting point to everything changing. Mm-hmm. Well, things uh, are so changing true. at that point. It's yeah. so true. It's one of my favorite points in the canon to read from and to write from uh, for just the sheer possibilities that you have after book five, you're sort of tied down with certain things. There's a little less mm-hmm. freedom and I can see rebellion against that. I've seen breaks from the canon after pretty much every year mm-hmm. of Hogwarts. Oh yeah. I will say I. that I will say that, say that year four is my fa- by far my favorite. Mm-hmm. And that's because what I think. Because it, it gives is, you so much. It yields well, the most interesting results is the thing. It does. You can go off in, in many different directions. And I think what's really interesting about this story is that it doesn't choose to start in the summer before year five. Mm-hmm. This is not a year five story. Not yet. Mm-hmm. We're still we're picking up at the end of year four. We've just finished this big climactic thing, and now we're in the emotional drawdown and coming off. I don't know if anyone read canon before coming into this. Fic. <laughs> that's something that's always fun to do. Um, I didn't. I didn't, I, I, I didn't either. Is, but who is this Harry Potter? Exactly. <laughs> well, I have read the canon at some point. Well, obviously, but I mean immediately beforehand, read the first four books and then come right into this. Um, it's sometimes fun to do I that with try your to keep five it in stories mind. to mm-hmm. sort of bring your brain back to 
where things are and what we know and what we don't know and how much of our perception is based on the fanon as opposed to the canon and you try and go with the author on this journey um in in our case it would be more like watching the movies and then coming into this but um so it's a, it's a very important thing to keep in mind is where we're coming into this and we're coming down we're, we're coming in at the high point and we're slowly coming down and that descent and the tempo is really mirroring Harry's emotional decline as well because of all the trauma that he's just been through and we're going with him on this downward spiral as he right. with the shock that he's been through and the birds that are singing and yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. They're so cute. So McGonagall notices that Mr. Potter is in shock. Yeah. Yes. Finally. And she yeah, she starts to go to him and She remembered that he had been injured and said, Has anyone seen to him? Oh my surely they took him away from all this. <laughs> Did yeah. anybody forget about Harry and then he's bleeding out on the floor? <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean the the imagery that this author puts in here, it's amazing. Surely he'd been taken away from the center of all this ugliness, but she couldn't remember seeing anyone leave with him. She was aghast to see him still in the room, standing unsteadily by the by a far wall. His clothes were in tatters, dirty and torn, and his skin was molted with gray grime and blood. He was loosely holding his bloody arm to his body and his eyes were locked and unfocused on a distant unseen point his skin was pale and his eyes were terrifyingly empty he looked so small i mean you can just see him there Mm -hmm. and i think we need to consider the timeline of what's happened cedric was killed about an hour ago maybe Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this is right at the beginning of all this fallout and he's seen way too much it happened so fast it seems mm-hmm. like one thing after another. It's like he comes out of the maids and he goes up to Moody's office and he finds out that Moody is actually David Tennant. And then Moody starts <laughs> and Dumbledore's snakes come in. And he just, it's bang, bang, bang. And you don't ever, I mean, you don't ever really get the sense that sank in for Harry until like the next day even. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is really interesting. And I think, yeah. I, I love the fact that Misanthropic is using this moment to make Harry small and young and vulnerable because so many authors and I know she does this later but so many authors make him old and wise and and tired and it's almost like people forget that he's 14 and he's going to have vulnerable moments and he's going to have moments after big battles like this where he's going to his world's going to collapse in on itself because adults, their their worlds would collapse in on themselves, and they were they would feel small if something like this would happen to them. But it feels like in fan fiction, other authors have decided to make him stoic and and like super strong, and nothing can, you know, flummox him. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At this point, a child. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that point, and I think. The contrast to that is to point out the state of the fanon after book five, mm-hmm. after Sirius is killed, when Harry goes all emo. That's just a direct contrast to the to what you just described as to what I saw in a lot of post-goblet fix. Right. Faraday agrees with me. Apparently, uh-huh. Faraday does. <laughs> So. I'm sorry, guys. It just—he came at the perfect point, right in the middle, when he was saying this word. It's like, whoop, whoop, like one of those 
like whistles, like a wolf whistle. He's got the wolf whistle down. Just he does that too. Inappropriate in the conversation. I've been, okay. I've been trying to teach him some other calls, and I just recently acquired a CD of bird calls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have one of those. Yeah. Well, I want to lock it on the track and just loop it. He, he, uh, they do not talk as such, but he definitely sings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess I, I meant, well, is, is that variety of bird capable of talking or of no? speech? No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they they're more whistlers than anything else. But I mean, he could say pretty bird. He could probably say that. I don't think so. Cockatiels. I think they might be able to. Mm-hmm. But we'll see about this one. We'll, we'll uh, have to. This is this is not bird cast. No, it's not. <laughs> um. So then McGonagall and Snape come over. Well, she calls him over. And Harry well, actually, kind of laughs. It's, it's the tone in her voice that causes Snape to look over in yeah. mild curiosity. Right. <laughs> Until. Uh, oh, I do love that. Yeah. And the next instant, Harry is collapsing, and all it elicits from Snape is mild curiosity. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at that. Potter's oh. falling down. How about that? He must be weak, like his father. Like his James, father. I hate him. <laughs> So, have you ever noticed how Snape sounds like Londo? Just a little. <laughs> I, I, I hate to be like... What do uh, you mean he sounds like Londo? He sounds nothing like me. I have better hair. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, so, I hate to be like the Debbie Downer of the conversation, mm-hmm. but this, is, this, this next little section brings up something that I hate in fan fiction, which is people carrying Harry around... I mean, I I was a very small 14-year-old, but most 14-year-olds are not big enough for adults to carry unless they're carrying them, like, fireman style. You mean they're not small enough? They're not small enough, yeah. To, like, cradle, like, a lot of things. This is what I was going to say before. I was going to say before, I am someone that always rails against what I call the... I didn't even have a name for it. I should come up with a snappy name for it. But it's like the childishness making of Harry. It's baby, it's baby. Mm-hmm. I know that's, that's a wonderful mm-hmm. world. It's like so many authors will be like, Harry was small. Harry, yeah. Infantilization. I knew there was a real word for that. Not, and not babyishness making. The infantilization <laughs> of Harry. It's like, seems like so many fix you get where it's like, he's so small and delicate and with, you know, crystalline eyelashes and like Refined gentle, translucent mm-hmm. skin and, and like, Yes, Little Miss Snape. It's very, it's very Little Miss Snape syndrome-y. And I don't know, it just seems like it's one of these, like I said, like I said when I had a problem with, um, Snape, like, explicitly adopting Harry when he's like 16 or 17 years old. You know, like, it's just, you know, he doesn't need that. Right. At the teeny, right. he might need a mentor. I don't. Ha- I think. I think it's wonderful if he's becoming like a mentor. But I think having him adopt him and calling him dad when he's like sixteen is wrong. But it is um, a little bit much. But I think that this is not a Snape adopts Harry story. No. But um, what I'm saying, <laughs> basically, it's it's yeah, it's just he's still fourteen year old boy. I mean, he's seems. I just think, especially since he has spent his entire life not depending on anybody and not really getting to be a young child, I think that he wouldn't start now, even if he had somebody that cared about him. Mm-hmm. Well, and you have to assume that there's, I mean, this is a castle. We, How many times have we heard Ryan talk about 
McGonagall came down to the Great Hall and said, I have terrible news. Come with me. (laughs) We're going up to the headmaster's office. And three hours later, they make it there. Nobody's going to carry a child, I don't care how big they are, that far. Well, I'm I'm just saying it's physically impossible to carry Harry at this point. Right. I mean, I can Uh, pick up and carry Calvin, maybe. I don't don't know. But I couldn't carry him very far. What? The The human body is capable of amazing feats of strength when it's necessary. And but it's not necessary right now. Yeah, hey, Monday night, I moved four couches all by myself. It is possible that Snape could pick up Harry and could carry him a little ways. I don't know right. if he could carry him all the way to the hospital wing. Oh, I think but... he probably could, but I just think it's strange in this context. Like, I mean, if there you was think... a car on top of Harry, you hear it all the time about people like lift up a car, you know? You think Severus Snape can lift over 100 pounds and then proceed to carry that 100 pounds from Dumbledore's office down to the hospital wing? I think yeah. I don't Snape think so. has a fairly strong physique because he would have to with all the different things that he does. I I, I, I don't know. I think I, of Snape I, I, as like a bony as a bony not, little not not which strong. Which is also untrue. But I think I could do it, and I am not particularly physically inclined, despite the fact that I could throw my computer across the room. Thank you, Mike. Yes, um, but, but <laughs> okay. So the the basis of this is I picture Snape as a nerd. He, okay. you know, he's in his he's in his dungeons all day. Like not like 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 a geek. Like you know, pasty skinned, doesn't get out much. Mm-hmm. You know, hasn't had a date in the last ten years. Doesn't work out. And therefore, I, and God help me if my brother ever hears this, I am thinking that Snape is like my brother. My brother is 25 years old, he is six foot two, and my biceps are bigger than his. He can't wait, <laughs> he, he can't lift me, and I'm about the weight, the, the weight of the average set, uh, 14 year old male. So, even if Harry were, was a little lighter from malnutrition, short stature, what have you, you know, I don't think, I don't see Severus Snape picking Harry up and carrying him any sort of distance just because my brother can't carry can't even pick me up okay i'm going to reverse myself i have just come across a line that makes me disbelieve this entire thing okay mcgonagall's hand came to her mouth and snape held the boy's limp body away from him like it was a wet raccoon no (laughs) i'm sorry Uh-uh. I love that one. Though. I love the. I'm imagining Snape holding Harry like in the tips of two fingers, like he would hold okay. some piece of garbage. So okay, I have the answer to this. Okay, and it's not the plot said so. He cast a silent, weightless charm on Harry as he caught him. There you go. That's so not all bad. he has to do is just guide him with his hand, so he can keep him out away from his body like a wet raccoon because you know god knows you don't want to touch one of those so, so the and solution kind of, is not the plot said so it's magic 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 <laughs> yes okay good i'm glad we have that solved and we have that solved and well, the, we're gonna... it has to be that it can't be because because the plot says so because it doesn't affect the plot right yeah <laughs> well you know okay. it is harry potter we can do this and we're gonna jump to the hospital ring ring hospital ring <laughs> i only had a little bit of alcohol um, we're going to jump to the hospital wing where 
Hermione and Ron have gone to wait for Harry because Hermione noticed that he was hurt. So they're going to take him to the hospital wing. That's where he's going to be. And so the two of them... Because Harry always goes to the hospital wing. She has read all the right fix. Right. But she gets there. They get there underneath the invisibility cloak. And lo and behold, nobody's there. And they're like, uh, WTF, man, where do you go? And so they're and they wait. <laughs> standing there waiting. And all of a sudden, the doors fly open. And here comes Snape pushing Harry along in front of him with just the tips of his fingers. Yeah. And McGonagall saying, you know, put him down. And we have to put him down gently. So Hermione knows, okay, well, he can't be dead. Because you wouldn't put a corpse down gently. Although a lot of people probably would. <laughs> would, just, but not Snape. Yeah, well, Snape would just... drop it and kick it a few times. <laughs> Snape would go, ha I don't and think Snape would go, go ha ha. No. Well, then, like, his promise to Lily, like, totally. Yeah, then it would just be wrong. Bye-bye. And, you know, poor Harry, they go to examine him. Pomfrey goes to examine him. And he wakes up and he oh, Hold on. I love, the, I love the description of McGonagall wringing her hands and chewing her nails like a schoolgirl, wondering if any boy would ask her to the dance. <laughs> And Hermione can relate. Yes, because she just went through that a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least Crumb asked her to the dance, so she was good. She didn't have to wring her hands and chew her nails too long. Poor McGonagall was not so lucky. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, her fingers are bloody stumps now. It's just terrible. Terrible. And I'm really sad that Trisha's not here with us tonight because there's actually vomiting in this I thing. know. I said that in my notes. <laughs> Vomit! Trisha! Yay! Yes. Poor Trisha is home, curled in the fetal position. <laughs> kind of like Harry right now. High on drugs. And poor Trisha. Yeah. Right, we love you, Trisha. For Trisha. When this comes out, you'll have been fine for a year, but... Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So and, uh, I like I like the description of Hermione in this whole situation. She's just in complete distress. She's coming apart at the seams mm-hmm. with her worry for Harry. And think about where she has been throughout all of Goblet of Fire. She's been right by his side through the whole tournament. Um, let's bear in mind that Ron was upset with Harry for a lot of this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he really only came back around after the first task was revealed. So between um, Halloween and the first task, he was very, very angry with Harry. Uh, Hermione's been by his side, and there's actually a line in Goblet of Fire that um, there was a lot more studying when Hermione mm-hmm. was your best friend. Yeah. Deathrow, uh, I have a question mm-hmm. for you on this topic. Okay. Did you submit this this uh, fic more based on the fact that Ron is in it, or it's HHR? What sort of question is that? <laughs> Can it be both? Well, which which was more like which was a well, which was the thing is I'm I submitted it based on the whole fic and Ron is reasonably in it in later okay. parts of, and I actually really like the characterization of Ron. I mean, he's not over the top. He's his head isn't spinning around puking green slime at the very gorgeous. idea of Harry what? Hermione together. He's he gets angry, but it's not over the top angry, and he's angry for some of the right reasons. Even though he's wrong, I can see him in a good light because he he does attempt to deal with his anger and he does attempt to grow. Um, awesome. All of this is way beyond the scope of tonight's chapters, but yeah. okay, yeah, he's it's it's a good characterization of Ron. I wouldn't have put it up if it was a bad one. Okay, and it's very- and that's actually that's one of the first things I say 
in my notes. Um, in the summary, we're told that this is going to be a Harry Hermione story. So what I'm watching out for is the characterization of Ron, the characterization of Ginny. I'm looking out for tropes and cliches. I have a big question mark about Draco Malfoy. Um, and you just got to consider where all the other characters that we are usually f- having in these stories are at this particular point in time. Sirius mm-hmm. is on the run. Yep. And we're not really sure where Remus is at this point. Yeah. Um, so that's just so, something as we're reading the chapters. So between Hermione, Madame Pomfrey, and McGonagall, they managed to give get uh, – be Harry take a, a calming potion. Well, nobody can and do Dumbledore. it. It's Dumbledore steps yeah. in, acting all grandfatherly. He's stroking Harry's hair, being very comforting, and he takes the potion, and everything is better. Uh, but and, it's not really because he's well, he it's, says it's, right. it's like he got his morphine injection mm-hmm. or whatever. He mm-hmm. hit the little button there in the hospital bed. And he's all doped I've, up, and he's talking about his story like this. And then Voldemort came back, and wow, it was really scary. And then everything got all rainbows. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to say, like, I, I kind of love Dumbledore's characterization here. But if somebody patted my head, and after I took my meds, said, that's a good girl, I would slap them and then, like, leave. <laughs> I would just be like, I'm done. So you call over them again. Oh, oh, yes, I was... I I was thinking this was one. Of, this was a questionable Dumbledore story for me. You know, I was wondering if this is going to be one of those stories for Dumbledore's arm. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I, I kind of questioned Dumbledore's characterization after he. Uh, but he shoved... doesn't. No, wait. Wait, no, 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 no. He shoves Harry into a trophy case. And three months later, he's patting Harry's hair and saying, that's a good boy. Okay, but he doesn't say that's a good boy after he takes his potion. He sits down. He notices that Harry's in considerable distress. Harry's vomited all over the place. Everybody else has jumped back, including (laughs) Madame Pumphrey. Dumbledore (laughs) walks through it. He sits down right in the pool of vomit. Sits down in the pool of vomit and starts stroking (laughs) Harry's head and muttering to him. Now, you were assuming, I'm assuming, that he's muttering some sort of enchantment or something like that. He's not just talking to him. Right. Who knows what he's saying? He could be saying it's going to be okay, everything's all right, but, you know, maybe it's some sort of magic. And I just, I, I like, I, I get, but he doesn't say good boy after he drinks the, co- the okay, no, before, after before. he calms down, after he calms down, he says, okay, good boy, you're calming yourself down. There you go. And then he hands him the potion and says, this is going to make you feel better. I just that think that's really like, it's really patronizing to tell somebody that's a good boy slash girl. Like that, that's just the most patronizing thing you could say to a person. But Dumbledore is old enough to get away with it. Yeah. You wouldn't be offended if you're 92 year old, so. great grand grandmother said it would you well i don't have a great grandmother but if my 80 year old grandfather said so i would be offended by it yeah (laughs) okay well if you were in harry's circumstances i'm sure you wouldn't be i'm sure and and you gotta remember harry has very seldom had anyone tell him he's a good boy that's true here take this harry it's better than lemon drops Mm -hmm. and harry wants to know what happens and they tell him that you've passed out it's completely understandable and then he tells them what happened with Voldemort. Mm-hmm. And we have Hermione silently crying while he tells the story. And these two are in the corner underneath the invisibility coke. They're getting cramps in their legs. They're all hunched over. Every once in a while, Ron leans on her to take the weight off of himself. And she's got to elbow him in the gut to get him off of her. You know, it's amazing that only Dumbledore knows 
they're there because they've got to be making noise. Snape should have noticed. Mr. Spy yeah. himself should have figured this out, but that's another point. And he tells the story about what's going on. Mm -hmm. And they just kind of look at him because nobody wants to believe it. And then all yeah. of a sudden he says, it hurts. And Madame Pomfrey's like, where? And he says, everywhere. And she says, no, this potion should last for three hours. You shouldn't be in pain. And that's when Snape says, uh, well, if he'd been crucioed, it would still hurt. And everybody's like, oh, Voldemort wouldn't have done that. And I'm like, oh, what Voldemort do you know? Because yeah, I, I was, I was kind of like, Pomfrey is a little insane to be like, he wouldn't to a boy. I'm just like, he's Harry Potter. Yeah. It's Voldemort. Like, Voldemort does it to bunny you know, rabbits. Come Voldemort on. Voldemort has these little qualms like, oh, like, like, here's Voldemort is like killing and terrifying Voldemort tried to kill a baby. Like, let's be real. Mm -hmm. Oh, but he wouldn't crucio some. He wouldn't crucio a 14 year old kid. Not of the not. kid that he tried to kill. He tried to kill Harry when he was a baby. I don't think he would have a problem with Cruciary him when he was 14. No. Yeah, I really, it's, it was just completely like, you dolt of a woman, why are you not thinking right now? Turn your brain on. But if you go back to Death Roll as he falls off the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, that was me shifting my mic. If you go back to the fact that this is just movie canon or mostly movie canon, then you can kind of see some of it because I don't know that you know so much. I didn't realize when I reread re this, I don't remember if I knew this the first time I read it, that it was based more on movie canon than not. So, I mean, you can get nitpicky, but it didn't bother me when I read it. I just was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, it, Voldemort's gonna, he's gonna Crucio the bunny rabbits and Harry and whoever else he can find. I mean, even on his way to kill Harry in the first place, he saw the kids trick-or-treating and said, hmm, shall I kill them too? I mean, this is not a nice person we're talking about. He likes being mean. Yep. So, and then Dumbledore decides it's time to kick everybody out so Harry can have some rest and Ron and Hermione can actually stand up in the corner because they're about ready to die over there. So he kicks everybody out and then says, hmm, if anybody happens to see Miss Mr. Weasley or Miss Granger, tell them they can come visit Harry. <laughs> and, he, and he does it in that voice that Hagrid did it in second year in the movie. It's just like... If anyone should like to find some stuff, you should follow the spiders. If anyone like, finds... Hey, who are you talking to? <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I wonder if there's someone with an invisibility cloak around here. And don't forget to feed Fluffy or Fang. Someone will need to feed <laughs> Fang while I'm gone. <laughs> Can you imagine feeding Fluffy? No. That no. would be silly. I want to see a fic about that. Quick, take a note for tomorrow night. It depends on, on who we get to feed him. So noted. Well, I, I can think of a few people I would like to feed to Fluffy. <laughs> I know I could too. <laughs> so we'll start with Umbridge and we'll go from there. No, I, we, we have to start with Draco. No, yeah, well, he was my first thought, but then I thought of Umbridge. So. Catherine has a few engineers she would like to volunteer. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's, that's written down. One of the things that I think is very interesting about the Cruciatus curse in this fic is that potions don't really affect it, um, which is a change that I've seen from some fics where, oh, we have this specific potion that's made exactly for countering the effects of the Cruciatus and everything will be fine. No, there's no such thing here. Mm -hmm. And it's just interesting to see in various fictions what limitations the authors place on the wizarding world and on magic in particular. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I sometimes actually, sometimes I, there are things we just can't do. And in this case, it's the Cruciatus curse. There's nothing we can do to 
really help you deal with the effects of it. And I actually like that more than, you know, having potions or spells that use the effects because it wouldn't be an unforgivable curse for no apparent reason. Right. Um, right. Imperius possesses you. Avada Kedavra, of course, kills you. Crucio causes you intense pain. But, you know, well, once, you know, you get the potion, you're all better. Like, it, it, it doesn't really make sense to me that that would work that way. So I almost prefer having no cure for Cruciatus and you just got to live with the effects and, you know, wait it out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like a muggle. Yeah. It reminds me of uh lioness where the effects would get so bad that Snape would have to punch Hermione to make it ease. It was like almost a cramp mm-hmm. kind of a thing. So, so Dumbledore decides that he's going to arrange for uh Neville, Dean and Seamus to spend the night somewhere else so that Ron and Hermione, Hermione can get Harry back up to his room because they all think that he'll rest better there than in the hospital, which I imagine is true. But it's so different from all these other fics where he's got to stay for a week in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I liked it. I thought that was really good. Yeah, Mm -hmm. where did Madame Pomfrey get the the fandom characterization that she had like the Vulcan death grip on? Harry, like you will not leave until you're fully health- healthy. Like it doesn't make sense to me. I th- I think it comes from the first book where Harry is of the opinion that Madame thinks that Harry doesn't realize how dangerous feasts can be because she doesn't want to oh, let yeah. him leave and attend the the feast mm-hmm. at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You know, like three days after he nearly died. Yeah, and I think I've got the chain of all that right. I think that's grammatically correct of the who said what to who yeah. and, and so on. So I think that's where the fandom gets this idea from. It was introduced in the very first book. It's one of those things that's that, matron. Mm-hmm. It's one of these things that was like a one-off thing in the books that like the fandom had just grabbed onto and flown way, way out of portion. It's like Gred and Forge. They did they did Gred and Forge once. Right. Yeah. Or the Scarlet I mean, Woman or but, any of that but kind of just stuff. to hint that this is what they always do, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like well, it's brought up as okay, Harry is seeing it this one time, but this isn't the only time that they do it. Oh yeah, right. I think you I think you could get away with doing Gred and Forge. I'm not saying that nobody should ever do Gred and Forge. I just think it's blown way out of proportion by the fandom. Mm-hmm. Well yeah, well the thing is that everybody Like there does are it. fics where they only call each other Fred and George. I mean Fred and I Forge. Bet you, Forge. I, I bet you when they're alone together they do call each other Gred and Forge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. So we move on to chapter two. This is like a, a four 400 word chapter and it took us an hour and a half beautiful Woo. <laughs> go us We're gonna See, this is what happens <laughs> when we introduce different sorts of things into the discussion yep. as opposed to just your typical here's how harry and Ginny come together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's new ground to cover here i don't think we've ever covered a story like this on the podcast have we um we mean what did you define a story like this yeah, because they did the one. They've done a. They did uh, P.O.U. P.O.U. Well, that I that's. I wouldn't call that this sort of a story. That that's definitely a post school years. Mm, that's true. So so not. So they go out to Gryffindor Tower, and Gryffindor Tower apparently has relocated to my brother's apartment, uh, <laughs> and it's freezing. <laughs> 
<laughs> or at least Harry's cold. Um, well, Harry's still in shock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he would be cold. I love that he's so far out of it that he is beyond modesty and he changes into his pajamas. He doesn't care that Hermione's there. Yep, right so, there. Boom, doesn't care. And I, and I, I don't you know, think he's still got his boxers on. It doesn't matter. I don't not think really. she's thinking about that at, at this moment either. Yeah. So. Oh, certainly not. She's just concerned about him and they tuck him in. And they don't discuss anything. Just, do you want some water during the night? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. That'd be nice. Um, just the lightest of light conversation. And they tuck him in and they go to leave. And Ron stays there. And Hermione goes to her dorm. And two of the fifth year girls are crying over Cedric. Um, yeah. And it's, it's just interesting the language that's used here. Um, she'd gone back to her dorm room late and all the other girls were in bed. Two were crying themselves to sleep. I thought it so, was weird that he, she's like the other girl, like she doesn't know who they are. Like, oh, there's these two girls. Like, well, the two are obviously yeah. Lavender and Parvati, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm the saying, other like, why ones, doesn't she, she knows their names. The other ones are the missing Gryffindor girls that we never get by name in the canon. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought that. I just thought it was by weird that she Eh. So maybe she can't hear who it is in the darkness, right? Well, okay, that she, makes... yeah. Although the very next line is one of those things It's one of those things that I'd point out if I was dating the story. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. So she and makes it about an hour without, and she just can't stand it anymore. She's got to go. Has back. No, she has no tears of her own for Cedric because she spent them all for Harry. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think it's so interesting because at this moment I'm thinking about Cho and what she's doing right now, and I'm guessing she's like the other one in the castle who isn't crying at this moment because she's like the people who are closest to the event are just completely shocked mm-hmm. and they, they can't cry. Do you think Cho is crying or isn't crying? Cause she cries. I would a lot. think that, well, well, first of all, Cho only cries in book five in year three. Cho is like this very fierce, awesome woman who is strong and a, a quidditch seeker, which takes a lot of courage and, you know, True, I don't think there's anything boyfriend. wrong with her crying, though. Are her you boyfriend saying that she's strong and dead. brave, that she can't cry I don't, I when don't her boyfriend it, died? I don't, I don't think it's wrong. I just think when someone that close to you dies, you know, sometimes you cry. So, I mean, she could be crying, but I think sometimes you, like, just become very numb mm-hmm. and you don't know how to process You can't really it. say either way, I think. Right. No, I'm, I'm just saying yeah. I could imagine the, Cho the being, like, crying. Not- you can, yes. I would say if you wrote a story about Cho, you could go either way, is what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, I'm just saying I can imagine it going going the way that Cho is like Hermione in this instance. I would like to see Where? a Cho story from this point in the canon. Death roll. Death roll. Meet tomorrow night. Take a note. <laughs> you guys are going to have this all figured out before you even get there tomorrow night. Well, we need to come up with some material to talk about. Aha! <laughs> uh-huh. That's why you're you're in my podcast, so you can get this material. I understand now. Uh, no, I I want to cover the fic. I think it's a great story. So after an hour of staring at the black ceiling, Hermione can't take it anymore. She's to devil with the rules. She's being very rebellious Hermione that we see in the Order of the Phoenix movie Mm -hmm. where Ron says, who are you and what have you done with Hermione Granger? Um, She has to see if Harry is doing okay. She can't rest until she knows for sure. Um, I'm honestly surprised she even left 
Yeah, I'm surprised she made it a whole hour. It's more more out of force of habit of going and sleeping in her own dorm, I think, than anything else. Yeah, so she sneaks in and, you know, it's dark in there and she's frozen and she's trying to figure out what's going on. And she can hear Ron snoring immediately. She's just like, ah, (laughs) going to kill him. She gets irritated with him, yeah. Yeah. And then she kind of moves over to him and she doesn't want to wake him up if he's asleep. Mm-hmm. So she tentatively reaches out and she's... I'm pretty sure she's doing the whole waving her hand in front of his face thing. <laughs> yep. But he is awake yeah. and he's in the middle of some after effects of the Cruciatus. Yep. And... At this point, Hermione starts recalling everything she knows about it. And let's remember, they've been studying under supposed Professor Moody all year. They've been studying the Unforgivable Curses. We all know Hermione. She would have read everything there is to read about the Seattle's Curse and the effect of Mm -hmm. it. And she would intellectually understand what he was going through. And that's horrible enough. To actually be witnessing it and to be experiencing it is something she that, that's so far outside of her experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't matter to her. Harry's her friend. She's determined to help him as much as she, she can. So she gets into bed with him <laughs> to hold him, to comfort him, right. to, count, to counter the hate of the Cruciatus with her love and friendship for him. And I think that's very poetic. I, I think it's a very poetic that, you know, Harry comes back from death and pain and, and all the stuff that happened in the graveyard to Hermione, who, who greeted him with life and comfort and just being there without really expecting anything. Right. She wasn't expecting anything. She was there to give everything she had to him because that's what they do. I mean, that's what these friends do for each other. Mm-hmm. She's always been in his corner. She's always been there for him 100%. And this is just another way for her to do that. If it had been, say, you know, not a non-magical thing, if it had been somebody that got caught out in the rain and was close to hypothermia, she's going to crawl into bed with them to give them her body warmth. I mean, Uh that's just part of it. There was no thought in her mind that this would go any further than her giving him some small comfort. Mm -hmm. Uh She closes the curtains, puts up a silencing charm so that if he cries out or if he somehow falls asleep and has a nightmare that he'll only wake her up Mm -hmm. she's still thinking of other people she's thinking of him she strokes his hair and he goes with that for a little while and he's falling apart yep and suddenly he he embraces her and clings to her and he tells her that he doesn't want her to go he's reaching out for her comfort that she's offering Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she says, I'll never leave you. It's fine. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. And as we know from Ken, that is a true statement. She never leaves him. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah. And she just spends some time. She's basically, I mean, he's touching her because he needs that affirmation that she's really there, I think. And she's mm-hmm. just spending the time saying, I'm here. I'm not leaving. I'm here. Then it grows and it becomes more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're holding each other. They're touching each other, just affirming that they're alive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it is. Harry just needs to feel alive and not dead after the horrific things he's gone through. And then lips get involved and things just take a different turn. And they're kids and kids being kids in a very emotional moment. 
and all of this touching and friction being what it is and things go get a little more serious. Mm-hmm. And once yeah, that barrier that is breached, go ahead, go ahead, Tess. This is usually a, I'll say, it, I'll call it a trope. This is usually a trope that bothers me, but I thought it was done really well here where they're just sort of lying together in comfort, and then all of a sudden this starts to happen. Usually that's handled very sloppily, and I am disinclined to like it, but I think it works really well here. I was I was impressed with this story overall, because I'm usually, when I go into reading a Harry Hermione fic, I don't want to say that I think they're all bad. I'll just say that my expectations are usually pretty low. Mm-hmm. But I think this works really well. This fic overall handled the relationship really well. I think... As as far as authors who want to write HHR really want to, you know, have them in an established relationship and then go from there. And what I really like about this is the author sets up the building blocks that are so rarely put in place um, for a good fic. And a good fic that's Harry Hermione. Mm-hmm. I agree. I'm a huge fan of the Harmony genre, and a lot of it is not established well. It's not built well. And then you get a story like this that can put the pieces that are there into the correct pattern. And you can get something like this out of it, and it feels believable because it's put together properly. And it's the strength of good writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a couple of lines here that are really good because he's he's kissing her and his lips part, and it's only then that she realizes with a shock of clarity what this was. She wouldn't know. She was a teenager, never one to be fancied by the boys, and she had no experience to tell her. But even she knew what his kisses were, what it meant, where it meant they were both headed. And then there's a right after that, there's another line that says, "Every denial and block she had ever built around her best friend that kept him firmly in the friend category that." cloaked his attractiveness for her own sanity, shattered beyond repair. Uh, You know, I like that. She's kind of had a secret crush on him all along, but he's her friend and, you know, you don't want to mess up that friend thing by going further. So she's denied it to herself. She's put him in this category. Oh, no, he's not cute. He's just hairy. You know, Because once you step forward, you can't step back. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. But then she realizes that she wants it to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And all of those reasons don't make any sense to her anymore. Can I say that when I read that this was a movie-based fic, I was worried because I really don't like movie-based Hermione because the beauty of book-based Hermione is that she is the pudgy, bucked tooth, bushy-haired, non-pretty girl that so many nerd girls kind of are. Mm-hmm. And the wonderfulness of canon is that to say that that kind of girl can still get the, the boy is a great message mm-hmm. that you don't have to be the hot one, the super hot one to, you know, get the hero. And but she doesn't I get like, the hero. She gets the sidekick. Well, I mean, some people think Ron's the hero. <laughs> they are delusional. Um, yeah, well, you know, but you, you get my point that, like, I mean, this is an HHR fix, so she gets the hero. Um, yes. But but I I think I really like that she's clearly in these 17 chapters borrowing from Book Hermione mm-hmm. because that's such a stronger and superior characterization of mm-hmm. this girl. Oh, the story is definitely informed by the books. 
But I think as far as visualizing the characters, she's taking it off of the movie. Like, I bet right. somewhere in this, we're going to find out that Harry has blue eyes. I mean, that's that's fine. I, 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 I could care less. It's just Emma Watson is a beautiful girl. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's no way you can make her not a beautiful girl. And I like that she's she considers herself merely the bushy-haired, bossy bookworm. Right. right. This isn't an instant transformation where... Hermione Sue mm-hmm. comes along and she gets back from the Greek Isles and she's a goddess and she has this power over men and it's not that which yeah. I've seen. She didn't far change too often. a lot over it, the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it, that's the thing. We're coming in here at the end of year four and there hasn't been. Right. That I'm, I'm using Hermione changed a lot over the summer as a stand-in for the for that type of story. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Where Hermione becomes and instantly knows how to use makeup expertly and, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, she does right. know how. We know uh-huh. that she cleaned up really well for the Yule Ball. She, she just had doesn't... so much help right. from Parvati I'm and Lavender. I'm Lavender and Oh, yeah, but she's, yeah. I, can I just say she the went detail to them and I said, love Make me pretty. <laughs> what, P.S.? The detail I love most in the movies is in DH Part 2, where Hermione cannot walk in heels. <laughs> because absolutely, <laughs> Hermione cannot walk in heels. Yeah. I missed that. What scene is that in? Bellatrix. Um, witchy oh. Bellatrix. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Yeah. So uh, I'm in correspondence with somebody else that's reading this while we're we're talking about it, and uh, the line um, Hermione felt a sense of completion and fulfillment that she could be here for him in this way. Ron could not have done it. And the person that I'm talking to is like, "Dear Lord, I hope not." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not that sort of effect. It's not that sort of I've, effect. Yeah. I've seen them. I have, I have not seen them done well, but I could them. have. I I know, and maybe we'll cover one next season. Who knows? But I just I have in my notes in all capital in all cap. I turn into caps lock death roll here. Ron is fifteen feet away. Yeah, but there was a (laughs) silencing charm, and And thank God for that. And I can imagine a little bit. I don't know a silencing charm. I mean, I guess I get that they're like not meaning to Does do this. Does the silencing charm cover the noise of the bed squeaking? I can Im- So I can imagine Ron sleeps a little bit like I do. I sleep like the dead. Uh, when we used to go camping as a youth group, my friends would physically pick up my sleeping bag and shake me and I would not wake up at all. Yeah. So I don't I don't think Ron would wake up if like fireworks were going on, on outside. This is that's true. Another he did one grow of up in a Weasley household somehow, where there's lots of noise. That's like that's like a um one of those kind of things, um definitely a fan and cliche that I'm not sure if it has any canon evidence, but there's a lot of fix where Ron sleeps like that. Slothfulness. Poor Ron can't catch a break. <laughs> no, he can't. Even, but even in this fic where he has a fairly good characterization, he does have moments like this. And I think they're just inescapable. It may be entirely fan-based, but it's just a derivation of his character. Oh, gosh. There are, like, pro-Ron, Ron Hermione fics where Ron is still flanderized. Like, exactly. Just Ron- I, don't think, I don't think we can escape it because I think it is a part of his character that everyone agrees upon is there. Yeah. At least he's not eating room now. This I think yeah, I think Ron has got to be overall in every fandom that I have ever been in and every fan fiction I've ever read. Ron is the most flanderized character of them all. The only thing possible, that this yeah. 
that this characterization of Ron so far is missing because she walks in and he's asleep and he's snoring obnoxiously. The only thing that's missing is him with a red vine clutched in his hand. <laughs> hey, that, that's, not, that's, not even, that's not even Fanon. But, you know, he's he got a snack or something. Yeah, he's eating it asleep. I, I just picked red vine because it was a great example. Yeah. And top well, of it because, because we're we discussing have sound clips for those. Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. That reminds me of when Sue and I shared Red Vine. Yes, we they were good. So basically, uh, they fall asleep and we move to the next chapter and Hermione yeah. is dreaming. She's having a very strange dream and I wish Mike was here to interpret this for us. <laughs> because it could be prophetic. Uh, we don't know. It's crazy things happening. Um She's at well, Cedric's memorial service, yeah. but Cedric is well, there in the crowd, and so this is for somebody else, and it's got to be Harry. And well, I will say that I do know that um, death in dreams is is change. It isn't actually death. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, you know, particularly well versed in dream interpretation, but that's one that I know is very common is that when people dream about death, it's about change in their lives and not actually death. Right. And, uh, Gene, I thought I dreamed about death because he was my friend and I talked to him a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wasn't going to say anything, <laughs> but thank you, P.S., for going there. Yay. My so she too. wakes up, she wakes up from this very weird dream and uh, there's Ron death. staring over her. Yes, yeah. Hermione wakes up from dreaming about death <laughs> and sees Ron. <laughs> and her, all of a sudden she's like, why is Ron in my dormitory? And then she remembers, <laughs> oh, I'm not in, in another, my dormitory. In another story, I would say that this meant that Ron was marked to die. I'm not sure about <laughs> this one, but I would say that was... <laughs> No, I'm serious. Like, if somebody was like being very careful and JKR-esque, that might be a prediction I would make. You know, it just occurred mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, and he's looking at her, and he's kind of got the, uh, what are you doing here look, and then he kind of goes, well, you know, I fell asleep, so I, there's nothing I can say. I'm sorry me. about that. Maybe he <laughs> needed me, so he just disappears. Yep. He says, oh, I'm sorry, and oh, well, glad you were here, and... He, well, he actually, doesn't he do just, that yet. He he just no, no, you're right. Word. He he he. He just leaves. He's there. He stares at her, then he looks at Harry, then he nods because he thinks he understands, and he walks away mm-hmm. because he needs and, food. Because he needs food. Yeah, he's going for breakfast. He she calls Harry's name to wake him up, and she's determined that she's not going to let things be awkward because they could so easily be awkward. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and you know they. They don't really acknowledge what happened. No, they don't. Not at all. No, they just. That, I mean, I did not, wouldn't expect them to yeah. acknowledge it. They it's one of those things that no. kind of like it happens, and they kind of just sort of don't say anything about it. It's an mm-hmm. unspoken it's like, agreement. It's kind of like yeah. the TV trope when two best friends get super drunk and then sleep together, and then the next morning they just decide not to talk about it at all. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because it's like if he doesn't remember, she doesn't want to be like, "Oh yeah, remember when we made out." <laughs> if he doesn't remember it, she doesn't want to make that awkward because Harry would be like, wait, we made out. Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> but there was no alcohol involved. There was no alcohol involved. No, but there so. was potions. So, you know. uh, that's right. He got loopy. Yeah, that, he got real that's loopy That's the Harry potion. Potter equivalent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> true. Very true. 
But there's plenty of alcohol the, involved in Harry Potter the too. Often the the very underused Billy wig. I think that's what it is. It's a bug that people get high off mm. of. No, it stings you and you float away. You don't get high. No, they're really high bugs. Bugs. You want me to pull over my, my Fantastic Beast and where to find them? Because I, I swear the billywig is a thing that stings you and you float away. Because Ron yeah, was stuck it's, by it's a billywig in Kesedsvik, Regal Day Life. No, I have definitely beast. read I have definitely read fix where they get high off it. Alright, wait a minute. Or like I've in got a it right here. Because I podcast, you know, right next to my books. Let's see, Billywig, that would be B, Basilisk, Billywig. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not doubting you that that's what it says. I'm just saying there are fics where this happens. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, back to the fic. Um, they are acting normal. Hermione is deliberately being normal and treating Harry normally and forcing him to be normal. And okay, he's just no. like, okay, this is how we're going to play it. Okay, I'm good with that. I, I understand this. This is a good way to be. Because uh, he knows how to react. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not talking about what happened between them. They're not talking about Voldemort or the graveyard or anything. No. It's just, let's get up and go down to breakfast. And, and he, she does. Go ahead. And he just wants to stay in bed and lick his wounds, and she's not going to let him get away with that. Yep, we're no. at least going to go down and get some toast. We can bring it back up, but we're going to go down. Mm-hmm. I will say this is a trope that seems to happen a lot in fan fiction, that whatever girl Harry is paired up with will like refuse to let him be reclusive and licking his wounds after a big battle. They like pull him into like the light or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's Harry. Yeah. That is Harry. That is Harry and this is not outside of Hermione's character because this is exactly what she does for him in order the Phoenix over Christmas. This is true. She talks to him and pulls him out of Buckbeak's room and says, you're going to go down and you're going to face everybody because we care about you, damn it. Right. But I think that's di- I think that's slightly different. You know, the whole of number four, Grimmauld Place, is different than Number saying- four? <laughs> number four. Uh, no, it's number 13, Grindelwald Place. 13, Grindelwald Place. <laughs> yes. Number 12, Grimmauld Place. I divided by three. Number four, Privet Drive. <laughs> Shut up. Um, so number, it's different, you know, facing the Weasleys in order versus facing an entire school mm-hmm. of kids who are going True. to judge you and hate you and half of them are going to blame you because their house member slash friend died. Because and you nobody were there. really knows what happened. And clearly you killed them yeah. because that's the right. only possible thing that could happen. So, right. so I'm just pointing out that it seems like a trope to for the girl that Harry is matched up with to pull him into the Great Hall and say and say you know you're not allowed to be a recluse. But the thing is though, Hermione has said we can go down, grab some toast and juice, and we can come right back up. You know well, why didn't they go to the kitchen? Because that's not in the movies. Because the author, author forgot. Ooh, I like Sue's answer. <laughs> I really don't I like, like the Sue's movie. Answer I know. I know. So she, but you know, she gets him. She stops she right before and checks out his arm to make sure his arm's. Well, hold, hold on. Even before that, she leaves, and there's really, in their discussion, there's no way to avoid calling attention to the fact that she's leaving his bed. Mm-hmm. There's no way to get around that. So she goes, she's on the walk of shame. In her nightgown. But she has them in her nightgown, and she's missing her knickers, and she doesn't care. She's like, I could look for them, but that would just be way too awkward, so bye-bye. And she just walks into 
It's very... I, I don't know about you guys. Do you guys picture Hermione in a nightdress? I picture her in something that goes from neck to ankle. Yeah, and yeah. flannel. It'd be flannel. I don't. It's got to be flannel. I don't picture her in one of these things that barely comes down past her hips. No, that would be what lavender wears. That's what lavender's wearing. <laughs> but Hermione, yeah, or you know, like a t-shirt at fourteen, or something like that. <laughs> well, yeah. I, oh, I do that. I don't have a lot of experience with nightgowns or night dresses. I sat wearing a nightgown when I was like four. I've been wearing pants ever since. I don't wear dresses. Yeah, so. but I don't. I can't sleep with. Um, I can't sleep with stuff on stuff on my legs. So I can't sleep in pants or shorts or something like that. But I have to have something over my arms because mm-hmm. my apartment is freezing. Uh, especially right now because I left the door open for the cat, so I didn't have to get up again. <laughs> Um, there you go. So be careful I, the skunks don't wander in. You know that that could be a problem. <laughs> Damn it, Pouncer. Don't say Move. that. That's Crap. invoking the Pufa gods. <laughs> Pouncer, <laughs> come on up. You are in so much trouble. Uh, but so I wear a nightgown and and I you know wear a dress very very rarely. I don't like them. I am comfortable in them, but I don't have a problem wearing a, a night shirt. And I sleep mm-hmm. in it. It's an over large t shirt. That's what I sleep, except yeah. for when it's really I'm, cold, and then I have flannel pajamas I'm, or flannel nightgowns. I'm picturing something that comes down at least to her knees. Yeah, yeah, I you know, guess. One of these I mean, really I, I big just... shirts or a specific sleep shirt or something. Okay, mm-hmm. I guess I'll okay. accept that. And she contemplates that it feels quite different walking without her knickers on. But... <laughs> well, yeah, she gets oh, back... Hermione. <laughs> she gets She's like back this is her... like. The early version of poor mining. <laughs> I can I can just imagine get, like the seventh years giving her the ones overs, and all the younger years have no idea what's going on and no idea. Yeah. Of the seventh but years the are like ah, she did it. <laughs> well, we any girl walk. leaving the boys' dorm in the morning gets this look. Yeah, except for like the twelve-year-olds who just don't think about things like that. Right. Well, this is also a verse where apparently the alarm charms don't exist. That the prevent. alarm charms the alarm don't charms don't exist in, for the boys' canon. storm. They only exist for the girls' storm. That's canon. Which is silly, because if they're going to do anything, they should just go to the boys' storm. Right. Because Hermione's in but and see, out of the boys' other room all the time. There. That's right. How do they work that out, I always wonder. I mean, they acted like, they always act like they have these one things in place because the boys can't because be trusted. Happening. Because I mean, girls, girls are traditionally pure. No, I know and, that. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, with the other boys in the dorm tolerate shenanigans well where they, they're trying yes if i they think it thought be, that they could get away with the shenanigans too i yeah. i just read a fic about that where it was it's like yeah, seamus was like oh wait a minute you're gonna have her in here okay if you're having her in here then i get to have a girl too it's exactly it it's a go along to get along situation i think it depends though because i i can imagine percy not letting any girls in his room well, true that's percy that's percy I can't imagine but, Percy's dorm mates trying. <laughs> they would just say, no, no, 
they would devise some plan to keep him out of the dorm that night. Yeah. <laughs> but they wouldn't just go out and ask for permission or there wouldn't no. be an arrangement. No, whereas There's not a tie it, on the door because Percy would go right through that. But if they needed the room alone, then they'd go, hey, Percy, I heard that there's going to be kids out of bed tonight and they're going to be meeting in the trophy room. You better go take care of that. And then they'd know they had enough time to do whatever they needed to do because Percy would be in the trophy room all night. Yeah, all right. that's, go. a, that's a good story. I thought you were going to say because they're teenage boys. <laughs> you know, they're... Do I say this? Yes. They're like, yes. They're like my brother. He said, hey, mom, I'm bringing my girlfriend over. Here's 20 bucks. Take yourself to the movie. Come back in a couple hours. We'll be done. Okay. <clears throat> 10, 20. Buy yourself a new hat. <laughs> See that? I just threw 20 away on the old lady. Wow. <laughs> How old was he? He was in high school, college. I don't know. That's, I wasn't living here then. I don't know. I just know that it happened. That's fabulous. That's very fabulous. That's a great mother-son relationship. They had a very good relationship. When he turned 21, she was their designated driver, and she took them all bar hopping all night long. And at one point, he stood in the middle of the bar with his arms spread open wide, and he spun around in circles, and he yelled at the top of the, his lungs, I have the best mom in the entire world. Aww, <laughs> I bet I, that I, made her night. I yeah. can testify that Mama Dexter is an awesome person. I think Dirty Dancing with the big guy made her night. It freaked the boys out pretty bad. They were like, your mom's going to get hurt if she keeps dancing with that guy. And Mike's like, ah, no, nah, it's cool. She, she's having a good time. Leave her alone. <laughs> <laughs> My mother's going to kill me. Oh, boy. Good thing she doesn't listen to the podcast. They go into the Great Hall for breakfast and Hermione wants to look at his arm first and they go and Dumbledore is waiting for them because the minister has a few questions mm, about what happened, which is a sharp contrast to the canon where he doesn't want to know what happened. Right. He, yeah, he's total denial in canon. So. And we really don't know what kind of questions he asks because we jump over that too. The... Right. It shifts away from Harry and Hermione sits down with Ron mm -hmm. where he apologizes for falling asleep. And he doesn't think anything. He's not suspicious. I like this characterization of Ron. Because in other fics, the first thing that he would be questioning is if they had sex. Why were you in his bed? No proper lady who's not a scarlet woman would sleep in a boy's bed. Ra 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 ra. But would he do that for Hermione, or does he only do that for Ginny? I think. It's I think both. he might. It, it would depend because I think he can. You can have it see where he doesn't even think of Hermione as potentially ever possibly being a sexual creature, mm -hmm. and then I think you can take it where he would, you know, do the Scarlet Woman thing. Mm -hmm. And it depends how much of his crush on Hermione is being acknowledged. Right. Right. And this is after the uh, Yule Ball. Scarlet one. So, mm -hmm. I mean, we and know at this point he does... And, and it's not, you know, again, we're, we're doing the movie versus canon. But if this was more canon-based, I think this might be a little harder for him. Because at that point, we know that he's finally just discovered, oh my god, she's a girl. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. And there's plenty of wonderful quotes from the musical to drop in here at this point. <laughs> um, but that's basically what it is at the Yule Ball. He's... I don't even know if he's admitted to himself what it all means or if he right. even understands what it all means. We know. 
but it's just he doesn't i don't think he knows and i don't think he's even thinking about what it could possibly mean because i don't think he wants to know right um he's just he knows it bothers him but he doesn't know why and he doesn't care why Mm -hmm. i think at this point which is not uncommon for a 14 year old boy yeah right and hermione acknowledges the fact that she's very happy that he's a thick brat because this could be a really uncomfortable thing Mm -hmm. but because he doesn't get it it's not going to change how he treats either of them and because that's not going to change nobody else is going to figure it out because no one else knows what happened right we've got the status quo here and as long as they don't act weird toward each other everything's going to be fine because she has it correct. Ron is the closest one to them. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't pick it up, no one else no, will. Yeah. Although it depends how much the author is writing ignoramus Ron, because where everybody else will pick it up except for him. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't get the sense that that's where we're going yet. No. And I like how next they, without really discussing it much, decide that Harry can't go back to the muggles. No. Yeah, Hermione just suddenly realizes that it comes to her out of the blue. Oh my God, those awful muggles. Mm-hmm. The, or, or actually, she doesn't put it in those terms. Those awful Dursleys, that awful family of his. Those people. Those people. He can't go there. They will just treat him so horribly. And on top of what he's been through, that's just the worst thing in the world for him. And then mm-hmm. Ron suggests the burrow, and she immediately says, "Yes, that's a great idea. That's brilliant." Yep, let's and go. they let they leave the Great Hall that instance to go Owl Molly. Mm-hmm. And the chapter mm-hmm. ends, and we go into chapter four, and they're sending the letter with Pigwidgeon. Yes. And, and Hedwig is there, and she does not approve. No, she does not. It's like she knows why they're there. And because they didn't ask to borrow her, they don't they feel, like they don't feel use comfortable her. using her, even though it is about Harry, and they explain that to her because she seems to, ex- she seems to want an explanation. And mm-hmm. Hedwig is Harry's mother. <laughs> she really I is. I swear. <laughs> yeah. The spirit of Lily Evans is infesting Hedwig. And... Oh, please, God, no. Oh, gosh. I'm sure, I'm sure this what, what is What was that fic? The Harry Hedwig fic? Uh, no, oh, no. Kidding. Just kidding. No, no, no. Uh... <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just thinking that there was a, there's a fic out there where Lily Evans, after she dies, is transported into a body, the body of a cat. <laughs> okay. Well, there is a fic where Hedwig is a girl. Like, you know, it's like. Hedwig um, is a girl. <laughs> no, I mean, like, Hedwig. she kisses Hedwig and she turns into a, a princess or something. So it's like, the, it's the, like the kissing the frog, only you kiss the owl. That's and what I did. Yeah, right. yeah. I got it. Which reminds me of a joke. So there's a guy who finds a frog and the frog says to him, hey, dude. I'm really a princess, and if you kiss me, I'll I'll turn into a princess, and I'll marry you and live with you forever and ever. And guess says, oh okay, and puts the frog in the box, and then the next day pulls the frog out, and the frog says, hey dude, I'm really a princess, and if you kiss me, I'll turn back into a human, and I'll stay with you forever, and I'll do anything you want to, and I'll be your ultimate sexual fantasy. Woo! And the guy nods and puts the frog away in a box, and the next day he pulls the frog out, and the frog says, hey dude, what's up? I told you I am a beautiful princess and if you kiss me I'll become human and, and do anything you want and you won't do it why not and the guy who's a computer engineer says well I'm so busy with my job I don't really have time for a romantic life but a talking frog that's pretty cool <laughs> 
It's so true. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime. Yeah, I'll send me a kiss by wire. Baby, my heart's on fire. If you refuse me, honey, you'll lose me. And you'll be left alone. Oh, baby, telephone and tell me I'm your own. And now with that... Hermione sends off Pig, and they have to go to the hospital wing. Well, first we go, yeah, I guess they go and find Dumbledore, and then they troop down to the hospital to let Harry know what they've done. Yep. And Wait, so I'm confused. Why is Harry back in the hospital wing? Well, just to he check never, him out. Did he leave? Oh, okay. Yeah, he went so home, it's like, or he went back okay. to his dorm room. Because Dumbledore needed an excuse to get him away from Fudge. The excuse was, I'm sorry, Minister. Harry really needs to be checked back into the hospital. You need to cut your your questioning short so that he can go get the attention that he needs. Thing. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I skimmed those chapters. That's cool. So did I. I don't know why I was cursing you on the blot. <laughs> <laughs> Did we say that Kat and I read these chapters in, in 15 about minutes? Half hour before the, no. half before the podcast. I, know, I said because it was um, only death. We were trying to fool people as to that. I'm like, death? Okay, it took well, my I text reader four and a half saying. hours to read this to me. How long are we going to delay the podcast? He's like, they told me 15 minutes. I'm like, okay. When you read to yourself, you just, like skip words that are un- you know unnecessary. Mm-hmm. You can sort of skim right. paragraphs and stuff. Like, like the ones that are italicized. Reading. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, is I, reading I am it. one of those it's, people. It's reading every word and it doesn't stop. And then it pauses mm. when there's a period or a comma. And it, right. that's why it takes so long. So they go down to the fi- the, the firebolt. They, they go down to the firebolt. They go down to the, the hospital wing. <laughs> the reason that what we brought up the read? firebolt is because that's what Harry says. I feel like I got hit by a bludger and fell off my firebolt. And Ron goes, and was, ow. Yeah. But at least now they know how he feels. Yep. And mm-hmm. he's feeling a little bit better because he gets knocked with a bludger and falls off his firebolt, you know, at least once a year. <laughs> At least once a well, thick it happens. Yeah. Once a year, you get hit by a okay. mm-hmm. so they And what I think is interesting here is that Hermione has led the charge to find Dumbledore and tell him what's what. And we don't get the scene where they go and confront Dumbledore, which is very interesting because it is from Hermione's point of view so far, mm-hmm. largely. However, we do get an instance of Ronald. <laughs> which I enjoy, which, I mean, I know we're taking it from the movie where that happens a lot more frequently. Um, and it's a bit of a flanderization of Hermione as a character, but it works well in this instance. And it's the only time that I really, I mean, that's not even, yeah, it's the only time I've seen it in the 11 chapters here. So mm-hmm. it's good that we're not going overboard with it, but we, we, it does come out here. Because he's being a little thick. Ron? So Ron reveals that Harry has been uh, invited to the borough the entire summer. Well, they Mm -hmm. they don't know that yet. They're assuming that Molly's going to say yes. Yeah, they're making the invitation right here. Well, of course Molly will say yes to Harry. Of course Molly's going to say yes. But they haven't haven't quite got permission. But this is what they're doing in, in, you know, forget that we're actually needing to uh, have to have permission for this. This is what they're doing. Small potatoes. Since when did permission ever matter to these three? It is better to ask for forgiveness than to ask permission. There you go. Amen. So Harry's a bit edgy about the idea, but he says, okay. And then Ron says, oh, that's brilliant. And he leaves to tell the twins and Ginny and Percy. No, Mm -hmm. Percy's not there. And and 
after he's gone, Harry just turns to Hermione and says, I know this is your idea. Mm-hmm. And she uh, says, I'm just trying to help you, Harry. Uh-huh. And I think he says, thank you. And he says, seriously, thank you. Yeah. And we're right in the middle of a nice touching moment, and Dumbledore comes by. Of course mm-hmm. he does. Interrupts everything. Um, I'm curious what he stepped out to do, because mm-hmm. I think he, he must have brought, unless he just sent Harry off to the hospital wing and was finishing up with the minister and whatnot. That could be. Yep. So Dumbledore comes in and Harry is allowed to leave because there's nothing they can do to treat him for exposure to the Cruciatus curse. (laughs) (laughs) So he's injured, but they can't help him. So they have to let him go. Right. And Madam doesn't like this. No, she doesn't, but she kind of has to do it. And Hermione says, well, I've got things I need to do. Uh, And so, you know, she starts to head out and then Harry's like can i go too (laughs) and she says well i'm just going to the library and he says that would be fine yeah he's and they head off and they go go ahead he's kind of decided that the library is not a terrible place this is one thing thing that's that's weird for me a little bit because i guess maybe this is partially because i'm so used to canon dumbledore but I can't see Dumbledore just automatically approving an entire summer at the Burrow, especially yeah. after Voldemort's just come back. I think because we have for to one thing, he doesn't he to... a hit on the blood protection. Um, yeah, he makes it like a drug. Well, it is. It's an inoculation yeah, that's against what I, that's Voldemort. That's why I said that. He needs a booster shot. He needs a booster. I'll take booster shot. A hit makes it, makes it sound like he's snorting coke or something. Oh, God. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> God. So. So the next day yeah, is. It's a little odd, but I just. I'm just going very... to say the plot says so and move on. I'm just. I have to make the so. note that. But it's a little it's, out of character for Dumbledore to just be like, oh, okay, have fun. It was not nearly emphasized in the movie so much. So I think we're just going to have to chalk it up to a movie verse versus book verse. But I will point out that as they go arm in arm to the library, that Hermione has a chest monster. <laughs> yes, I noticed that too. It was Hermione's chest monster that made me check the publication date of the story. <laughs> <laughs> Because I was, I thought this might be a reference to the infamous chess monster, and it probably is. I'm sure it is. It's so funny. No, it's an appeased chess monster, so that's good. It's happy. <laughs> and we go from so happy next- to sad, because we have Cedric's memorial service. Yep. And his parents have taken the body for a funeral, but they're still going to have a memorial service for Cedric in the Grey Hall. And, mm-hmm. of course, Dumbledore lets everybody know what happened. Uh-huh, because that's what happened in canon mm-hmm. and and harry is very stoic throughout all of this he doesn't cry he doesn't cringe he doesn't hide he sits there and pays tribute along with everyone else mm-hmm. yeah. and no one seems to really approach harry about this and i'm pretty sure that's how it was in canon too Oh, yeah. It's this incredible story, and there's all these rumors flying around the school, but the only thing that anyone knows for sure is that Cedric is dead. Mm-hmm. They don't so know how. So they don't know why. He's either a murderer or, like, a target for assassination at this point. No matter if Voldemort's back or not, like, he witnessed the murder, and therefore the person who murdered him is going to try and kill him unless... Harry was the one who killed him, so you right, know. Right, right. I'm sure everyone's so like, either way either way he's bad news to be around. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
I did like the sporting. Uh, they were all kids, frightened children, next to what Harry had endured his entire life. He shouldn't have to depend on their ability to cope. His life shouldn't have been made harder by their inability to handle the truth. Hermione had wanted to ferry him away oh, out of reach of their taunts and eyes and whispers. And I like that just because in terms of experience, Harry's so much older than everybody else at Hogwarts, of the students at least. Mm-hmm. And so few of the students give him credit for that. And you see that in Order of the Phoenix with the, the DA and people questioning him about what happened in the graveyard. You see it, you know, with uh, book two and him with the snake and being the heir of Slytherin. You see it all over canon that, you know, Harry's older than his years and no one gives him credit for it. So I kind of like that it's there. I'm, I'm going to laugh because you called Harry the heir of Slytherin. We know what she's been reading. <laughs> yes, we do. And she's really been enjoying it. Oh which my makes god, I love They Shook Hands so much. <laughs> Brief interlude. I'm obsessed with it. I still want to... Draco is still first in line for being hit over the head with a cast iron skillet but I definitely enjoy this fic. Yay. I'm gonna kill him. I swear to god I'm gonna kill him. I hate him so fucking much. Whoa. Dropping <laughs> F-bombs. Uh, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> well, if, if it's really... If I, if, if I had my way, I would like tie him to a chair and like torture him and like pull out all his fingernails and yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. This is, this is a side to you I've never seen. <laughs> I, I am, um, I, I, I try and keep it quiet, but I am the person that hates Draco Malfoy the most in fandom. Yes, I am. <laughs> I want to say I. She has the whole market cornered. <laughs> she hates him the most. <laughs> Nobody can hate him more. I'm sorry. I, I, I was actually betting my friends that Draco Malfoy was going to die by the end of Deathly Hallows because I wanted him to die so much. Well, everyone knows that I hate him the most, but Draco Malfoy is a wonderful character to write. <laughs> uh, whatever. Alrighty. I was I was trying to dip us off in a musical trend right there because everyone knows I like him the most. F yes. on, but I was gonna say I was very confused there for a moment. <laughs> it's like yeah. you wrote an entire fic about him, Death. Uh, it's, well, it was a bit of an obscure sort of thing, and I was trying to jump, and it didn't work so well as I thought. I thought you here we are. Draco Malfoy isn't in this story, is he? Please God! I said Draco Malfoy isn't in this story, is he? Not yet. Not so far. I'm I'm sure he will be. And I'm sure I'll want to strangle him. So we start off chapter five and we're two days before they head home for the summer holiday. Mm-hmm. And I haven't looked at a calendar, but there was a period of time between the end of the tournament and all that climactic stuff. And then the people from Durmstrang and Bobatons go home and there's a few more days and then the students they head home. home. There are right. several weeks, yeah. So... There's a little bit of span of time in here, and the book really skips over this time here, which Mm -hmm. this story is sort of filling up, and we're dealing with Harry, who's very, very broken at this point in time. Yeah, and he's they're kind of just hanging out in the common room, um, and she's kind of watching him. 
he's kind of watching her. They catch each other at it. You know, it's kind of one of those, I'm going to watch her when she's not looking. I'm going to mm-hmm. watch him when he's not looking. And then they catch each other and she's like, oh, has he been watching me this whole time? Or did he just do it now? And I just happen to see him. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she likes and watching him. She mm-hmm. does. And she notices his clothes. And immediately when she notices his clothes, I was just like... Harry's going shopping in this fic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But thankfully it doesn't happen in the 11 chapters that we read for tonight. No. But that's usually a thing when you notice the clothes and you don't know how it's going to be handled. You don't know if there's going to be a big scene that lasts the whole chapter where he goes or into a makeover for Harry. Mm-hmm. Makeover for Harry. It, it's like is extreme he buy makeover. Black clothes? Is he going to buy fashionable clothes? See, there are, ex- there are there are different categories of Harry buying clothes stories. Stories where he buys fashionable clothes, which are different from the stories where he buys like wizard robes that are like traditional wizard robes because he becomes obsessed with wizarding traditions. And yeah, it's and extreme. Then it, it's extreme makeover Harry Potter edition. Harry Potter edition. And then and then there's my favorite fic which you know he goes shopping and gets contacts and stuff to go into hiding right. because everyone knows yeah. that Harry Potter's clothes don't fit him so if a Harry Potter shows up with fitted clothes it's like who is a strange person with a scar on his head and they hide so the scar there's going to be it makes you wonder if there's going to be an entire chapter where Harry goes shopping and, and picks out new clothes and yes. flirts with the checkout girl and makes in this case Hermione jealous and God. brings out or, or is Hermione going to go and pick out his clothes for him? That's even worse. That's that is even worse. So, so Harry flirting with the checkout girl is oddly movie canon when you remember that random girl. <laughs> it really is. I want to see that. I want to see. And and but you know it can't. Nothing can be worse than Molly going shopping and for him, and bringing him back his underwear. But and, that's uh, canon. That's canon. <laughs> I know, I'm just being a Enjoy Harry and stories about his underwear. Mm-hmm. At least they're not knickers. <laughs> his pants. I'm sorry, Death. The knickers are wonderful. Harry and his pants. So they're hanging out in the common room and they're checking each other out. And all of a sudden, tap, tap, tap at the window. It's Pig. Yay, Pig. It took him this long to get back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it took him a month. <laughs> oh, good. It's for mom. Great. Just like I said, you can stay. Never doubted it for a second. Mom, I'll pick you nope. up at King's Cross. Of course not, because the plot said so. Oh, but wait! Yes. Oh, we're going on vacation. We're going, wait, wait, wait! wait. I, I was. This was weird. We're going. Oh, oh okay. It, never mind. I read this incorrectly. C- okay. Carry on. Why? What? I heard. E- I, I saw. I heard. I saw Egypt and then Charlie, and I was just like, "What?" Charlie's not in Egypt. <laughs> Charlie isn't in Egypt. Charlie's in Romania. Yes. Yes. Well, this is movie canon, so who knows? No, it's just it's two separate things. It's just yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I, yeah. I did the same thing when I was taking notes. I'm like, Charlie's in Egypt. And then I was making dinner and I was like, wait a minute, Charlie's not in Egypt. <laughs> what am I doing? So they're going to 
dragon players. We're trying to promote dragon husbandry. And so the keeper <laughs> at the dragon lair has decided that it'd be really good to get people to come out and see how totally awesome dragons are. Terribly misunderstood creatures, dragons. Thank that you, was Hagrid. fantastic. That was good. <laughs> I applaud you, Deb. And so they're gonna they're all gonna go out there. They they don't wanna just open it to the public because, you know, somebody might get eaten. So we're gonna <laughs> start it out by we're gonna we're gonna invite the dragon keepers' families out. And if that works, then maybe we'll extend it to the public, but we'll just see how many people die during this little experiment first. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how Harry's in the corner having another panic attack. Yeah. Holy crap, I'm not going to see these dragons. No. I'll just back to Privet Drive. Thank you. Um, and all and all I know he would is... be allowed to leave the country. And I, the thing that to me is that they didn't even float that as the reason. It was all because Harry was uncomfortable with dragons. They didn't even mention the fact that and I think quite blatantly there's no way Dumbledore would have allowed Harry to leave the country. No. Oh no, there's no way. Um, <laughs> Harry doesn't but... have his passport. <laughs> <laughs> but w- w- one thing that I love about this is um, it t- it took me a moment to to remember because we're used to canon like book canon uh, fight with the Norwegian Ridgeback, which wasn't that bad, as opposed to movie canon fight with the Norwegian Ridgeback was like a twenty-minute scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where Harry was quite Harry literally fell off the roof and dragon. Yeah. Yes. So and that's a very traumatic experience, and Harry says, "Uh, the Dursleys aren't that bad." Which, come on, that's a hell of a perspective to have. Right. But first we get a minute with Ron. Because Ron is like totally hyped. We're going on vacation. I didn't think we'd have enough money. We went to Egypt not too long ago. We saw Bill. And now we get to go to Romania. We're going to see Charlie and the dragons. We're going to see the dragons. (laughs) Harry's getting smaller and smaller in the corner. Is this canon that they went to Romania at this point? No. 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 They went to Grimald Place. You find out that almost immediately they, I think they went to Grimald Place and started cleaning it up. Yeah, because yeah, I, I remember this because I, I think had Ron, check- Ron mentioned something about them not or just barely going home or whatever. No, I, re- I remember yeah. this because um, book five opens about two or three weeks after book four ends mm-hmm. and I had and then Ron to, acts like they Ron acts like they've been there for ages. So I think right, they only went and I had pretty much because of how I'm writing my fic. I had to check when they started at Grimald Place and, and it was the timelines add up that they pretty much like a week passed and then they went to Grimald Place. Okay. So yeah, so he's just like, okay, I think I'll just go back to Privet Drive. <laughs> Ron's like, what? Are you nuts? Come on, mate. It's just some dragons. Yeah. <laughs> I love the word choice. <laughs> Ron <Dragons> ejaculated. <laughs> what? I guess Ron really likes dragons. Apparently. Well, hey, the word ejaculated is in order of the phoenix. <laughs> So, and then we get Ron, and, and like Death has said, this is a really good characterization of Ron. Ron is totally excited about this. He is stoked. And he takes a minute, and he fights with himself, and he says, okay, you're my best mate. We won't go. And Harry's like, no, 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 man. You can't. You, you don't get to see your brother nearly often enough. You have to go. And Ron's like, mm-hmm. If you're sure. <laughs> 
just like every, you, you know that moment where you uh, you offer to help somebody and you're just so glad when they say no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at least he did it, and and I at really appreciated did. that. Which is, it, is definitely in character for Ron, and it's what he would do. And Hermione's just rolling her eyes and completely fed up because. Ron doesn't see the bigger picture at all. Yeah, well, I love how Ron is like, well, mom will be disappointed, and I know Ginny will be downright gloomy about it, but we'll miss you, Harry, and yeah. we'll try not to have too much fun. And off he goes to tell mom that Harry's not coming anymore. Mm-hmm. And Hermione stays behind, and she's just like, are you sure? Surely the dragons couldn't be all that bad. Mm-hmm. And he just says, your opinion tends to change after one has spit fire at you and tried to tear you limb for limb. I just, well, it may sound foolish, but I know I'd just be waiting for another one to start in on me like that horntail, and I'd just as soon not spend all holiday waiting to be attacked. Mm -hmm. My chances are better at the Dursleys, I think. (laughs) Less chance of dodgy nerves at the Dursleys. And this is spoken like someone who has been hunted and has known he's only an instant away from being cooked and eaten and just torn apart. And it's a very good illustration of post-traumatic stress. And he doesn't want any part of any dragons. No way, no how. I was about to think he he sounds very like Eeyore. (laughs) I'd rather go with what I know than... Take on the silly dragons. <laughs> and he goes to bed and Hermione sits there for about two seconds and she's like, that's it. Dumbledore better, Dumbledore better still be awake. And up she goes. And if he's asleep, she'll bloody well wake him up. Yep. Yep. And we have, knock, 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 come in. No, wait, wait, I'm sorry. Death roll. <laughs> Cross the threshold. There you go. <laughs> And he says, ah, Miss Granger, you're about the castle particularly late, and I must commend your athleticism in evading Mrs. Norris and Filch at such an hour. Please sit and have a lemon cake. To have made it here without detection must have worked up a dreadful appetite. And baby's baby's breath blue robes. Ooh, he's he's Lockhart. (laughs) He is Lockhart. Oh, no, those would be Lord Cake. He so, wore baby's breath blue, didn't he? Yep. I'm sure he I, did. I think so. So she takes a lemon cake, but she doesn't need it. She's just sort of holding it, and he's feeding Fox at the moment, and he turns to her and says, Now, as headmaster, I must chide you for being out of your house tower after curfew. And now that that's out of the way, what brings you here? Yeah. What can I do for you? It's completely just going through the motions mm-hmm. of being an authority figure. Well, you know. It's totally... That's very. It's a very good characterization of Dumbledore, it and is. he's just trying to put her at ease and say, "Well, something must have flown up her knickers to make her come here in the middle of the night, violate curfew, and all that." Well, Might as well hear what she has to say. It's Hermione, Miss. I'm going to follow the rules, and you know she's got her priorities straight. And if she's mm-hmm. in such a uh, excuse, what was the word he used? Flummoxed. If she's so flummoxed that she's out of bed and in his office office this late there must be a reason for it because it's not a typical thing for us right she's a very sensible girl Mm -hmm. and she just dives right into it and says this is about harry ron just got the answer back from his mom and he starts in a state of disbelief that molly didn't decline to take harry in and she explains the situation and 
mm-hmm. just says that being with the Dursleys would be worth not having to put up with dragons. And Dumbledore just sort of steps in and says, well, you've never been pursued by a dragon, have you, Miss Granger? <laughs> Let me tell you so from experience, it's not a fun the, thing. The concept of being hunted by a dragon and the experience of it are very different things. You'll find most who have been dragon prey find the memory quite disturbing. <laughs> It's not a reaction that can rightly that can be rightly or quite succinctly put into written words. Now it doesn't surprise me that Harry would choose his less than loving family over the dragons right now. His unpleasant encounter with a dragon is very recent, very recent. Mm-hmm. And with a Hungarian horntail no less, who is one of the worst breeds, and he tells her, don't think less of Harry for his reluctance to meet a dragon again so soon. Right. Why, I myself, the last time I tangled with a dragon, it was eight years before I went near another one, and that was Norbert, who was a tiny little baby. Yeah, sitting Hagrid's and, beard on fire. <clears throat> and I like that because it ties into what we learn on Dumbledore's Chocolate Frog Card with the 12 uses of dragon blood. Right. It's, it's very tangential, but it's the last time that Dumbledore tangled with a dragon. And it's just a hint, and it's attention to detail, which I really appreciate from the author. Mm -hmm. And she's like, okay, I get all that, but you should (laughs) have to go to the Dursleys. I feel very strongly about this. And Yes, I can see that you do. What do you propose? He's like my boss. My boss is like, okay, I don't want to hear complaints unless you have a solution to go with it. Right. And, and that's the thing. If you're going to complain about something, you should have a solution. Mm-hmm. So she says, "Well, I'm just going to take him to my house. I'll call my or I'll write to my parents and I'll tell him he's coming." And mm-hmm. Dumbledore's like, "Okay, that's a really good idea, but how are you going to protect him? The borough has Molly and Arthur, and I'm sorry, your your parents are great. You seem to be a delightful child, so your parents must be delightful, but they're muggles, and that's a problem." And she says, "Well, how about if we just wave the underage magic, Harry and I?" I can take care of ourselves. <laughs> Dumbledore's like, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not going well, to happen. What I like here is Dumbledore says, the fact that your family is muggle does have a distinct advantage. You have mm-hmm. no relation to Harry the way the Dursleys are, so the connection would not be obvious. You live in a muggle home in a muggle community. And I would bet my favorite shower cap that neither Voldemort nor his followers would have the first clue how to use a telephone book. Uh, a telephone book? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, he's a telephone book. But it, it's just so funny because you can imagine Voldemort looking up the yellow pages. <laughs> While he's standing in line after <laughs> getting a... Shot back, uh, what was that? The fic where Dumbledore, you know, gives his life to send Voldemort. And, oh, it's after the end. Voldemort and all of his followers, you know, to the opposite side of the world. So they're all in line at the port key office, ready to come back, you know, in their Hawaiian like shirts and everything. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So using the so, telephone book to figure out where Harry's hiding at the Grangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know how much I believe that because all it takes is Draco Malfoy saying to his father that, oh, that's Hermione Granger is one of Harry's best friends, mm-hmm. the mudblood. So, and the, yeah, there'd be a way for them to figure it out. But they would, but works. I don't. I I do agree that they probably wouldn't know how to use the telephone book, although mm-hmm. Voldemort might. So I don't think that would stop them. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, if 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 I'm sure that they, I mean, that's kind of a ridiculous. Um, I understand that it's all the plot system, and there'd be no story if they didn't let Harry go stay with the Grangers. But I mean, like, 
just because he can't read the telephone book isn't going to stop him from finding them. I mean, if they they all there's got to be ways to find people other than clean them up in the phone book, mm-hmm. especially when you have magic. Yeah. I mean, it really is. But the the thing about it in canon, I don't think anyone necessarily knew where Harry was living. They in uh, oh no, because otherwise you'd have people like stalking, mm-hmm. stalking the house and stuff. Mm-hmm. Although a few people, so I think cer- certainly a few people saw him not, out and about. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but I, I don't think I think that there different. was some magic hiding them. I mean, it's not explicitly stated in canon. I've seen a lot of fix where they say that they've been under Fidelius the whole time. But I mean, I don't I think it's think, Fidelius, oh, but it might be something like I don't the think so either. But that could definitely be it. A lot of the times I've read fix where they make up the magic right. and say that it's what it was. Mm-hmm. But I think there's got to be something beyond the surface of oh they just didn't they don't publish addresses in the Hogwarts student directory. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So so Dumbledore has an idea and he asks her who who can do magic without you know well first of all he says well we can't waive the underage magic thing because and, we'd have to find the address with the ministry right and, and we, we don't, don't trust we don't trust three. them and normally I'd just say you know we'll just put an aura with them but. Uh, go back to section a where we don't trust the ministry so that's not going to work either mm. and, and we don't we don't know that we don't yet know that there are some r's that are on our side mm-hmm. that aren't on our side right and we got to think in the timeline this is before dumbledore has had a chance to really contact the aurors right and or the figure you out could emergently emergent emerge you could he just call up kingsley and be like hey I mean, yeah, we could have got Tonks. Yeah, I'm just saying, you wonder, though, how that all came together, because it's perhaps Tonks is so young, it's possible that Dumbledore didn't think to invite Tonks to the order. He probably called Kingsley and said, who in your department do you think I can trust? Mm -hmm. And King suggested Tonks. I think that's Mm -hmm. how Tonks got in order. Well, it's a good thing she's not on guard duty, because otherwise this turns into a honks fic. No, 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 no. We don't ever use that word around here. What word? Honks. No. If we say it, we give it credence. What should we call it? I don't care. Call it a boat show or a beer garden or a bagel. So if it is a bagel, it's going to be a mild bagel. It would be even worse because it's not after Order of the Phoenix. I know. I was going to say, I don't have a problem with Harry Tonks, but like this is a definite extreme bagel fix. How bad? Our guys are starting to freak out. Especially when Harry's this young. I, I mean, there's, there's like seven beer and stuff, and like Tonks is young and whatever, but then there's like Tonks should le- legitimately go to jail. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. I come back and we start talking about bagels. And honks. <laughs> and I like honks. Yay. The most, I, I will agree that most of the honks that I will read is like Harry is 17 years old and mm-hmm. of age and there's yeah. not an ethical issue. <laughs> We're not doing the bagel thing. Nope, nope, nope. Uh-uh. No, no, no bagels. So but Hermione has go a ahead. solution and we get to. I have a plan. <laughs> So Hermione hits upon that house elf magic cannot be tracked by the ministry. And they talk, he talks about it a little bit that when a house elf performs illegal magic, uh, which is magic other than in direct service to their master, 
then the ministry knows about it, which is how Harry got the letter about the hovering charm mm -hmm. when Dobby performed it because the Malfoys wouldn't have approved of it. Which is an interesting clause in the law because how many times are house elves running around I know, without right? their masters? Right, but in they I mean, like, say that. See, that too. is very much the author. I think that is very much the author reaching. And I mean, I, I mean, I'm saying that with all due affection because I too am an author and I do occasionally reach and make stuff up and stretch stretch plausibility to make the story work. I just think that that's kind of well, how much is it really? Because what do we see in fix? We see Dobby and creature largely. And, and Winky. Dobby, Dobby is a free elf and creature is bound to Harry. Mm -hmm. So magic that they use would not be them, detected I can at the ministry according tracking, to this explanation. Yeah, I can, actually, I can see them tracking free elves because like, if you have a free elf, it could be running around wherever doing stuff in front of muggles. Like, that would be definitely dangerous. So I think I'd probably track. Yeah, but how, yeah, that does make sense. It says the more I think about it, the more how the many more free I elves think about are it, there, right? I know. Like so you probably there's Dobby. Um, and if not, not in in service of their master, then you send a letter. Yeah, because that means probably they put that into place because it means that there's rogue elf running town. Right, right, right. So they figure out that an elf would be a really good guard, and Hermione actually brings up the possibility of Dobby. Mm -hmm. Yes, but and Dumbledore, too Dumbledore says, "Gracious, no! Do not mistake me. I'm fond of the vivacious elf himself, but he is, shall we say, obsessive." <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but Dobby has developed quite a fixation on Harry. <laughs> and I love that. I don't know if you've noticed. Noticed, but yeah. And, you know, the last time Dobby tried to help Harry, he got thrown He nearly killed him. Yeah, no, he nearly killed him. Lost all the bones in his arm. I don't think yeah. this is a good idea. Didn't work out so well. Um, so Dobby is not the first choice. But we do get an elf who is very much like Dobby, only somewhat responsible. Mm -hmm. And this is Kim, who used to be the Dumbledore family elf, has been free for over 80 years, and likes to wear boxer shorts on her head. And other parts of her body. Yep. True. Yes. This is, this is where, as Dobby is obsessed with socks, she is obsessed with boxer shorts. And I like that. I think it's fun. And I like that they're all as wild as can be, because I can see that, you know. Mm -hmm. Because Dobby has crazy socks, mm -hmm. and she has crazy boxer shorts. And, and I'm picturing this pair that unfortunately I saw out in public the other day, which were green with pink flamingos on them. Nice. Ah, uh, yeah, I remember those. Yeah, those. <laughs> those were unfortunate. <laughs> I'm sorry that I saw them, but, you know, that's what I'm picturing here. I can understand that. So they try to pay Kimmy, but she only accepts payment in boxer shorts, and she has the most impressive collection in Britain. Hey, you know, you gotta have a good collection. It worries me that there's competitions, apparently, because it sounds like <laughs> she wins the prize. Yeah, well, you gotta do, sometimes you just gotta do what you gotta do, or wear what you gotta wear, and yeah. Yep. But so Kimmy agrees that this would be a good thing for her to do, and she's glad to help. And turns out Kimmy can turn into a chihuahua. I love this. I hate this. I hate chihuahuas, but <laughs> I think this is ridiculous. This is so stupid. Yap this dogs. is like 
this is like a poster child for what I like to have to call random non-canon magic. I mean, like, yes, you can make stuff up, but that is so random to have a house elf that turns into a dog. Like, <laughs> well, but it was well, it's a well-chosen dog. I mean, it's got the poppy out eyes. It's got the funky ears. I can see a house elf in a chihuahua very easily. <laughs> oh, definitely. I agree with that, but I just think it's, oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you. The flamingos were a little bit bigger, if I remember correctly. They were about twice as big, and it was green, and it was very unfortunate. It was Slytherin green. I'm sorry, I did not find Slytherin green. It was a little too bright to be Slytherin green, but just, I wanted to walk over and yank that guy's trousers down and slap him in the dick just for being stupid. It it, it was kind of inappropriate in a restaurant. In a restaurant. (laughs) Pull up your pants. Wait, he wasn't wearing pants? <laughs> no, he was he was doing the lowrider thing and like you could see like his entire butt. His entire ass oh, was God. hanging out. It was right. It was boxers on chair. He had the pants buckled around <laughs> mid thigh. Oh. And then so it was it was this guy the only people in the restaurant were this guy, the girl he was with, and then Catherine Death and I. <laughs> And then the the co-owner was like hanging out, but it was it was like everything else was completely deserted. Yeah, it was not a fun scene. No, no. it doesn't sound like it. It doesn't sound like a fun scene. But the barbecue was fabulous, and now I want barbecue again. Yay, yeah. barbecue! Now you're making me hungry. So we're gonna go back to the thick. We've got our boxer okay. shorts, and we're back in the thick, and we are at the end of the chapter. So it's a good place to get back to it. Kimmy has agreed to be the guard dog for Harry over the summer. And Hermione just has to write to her parents and ask for permission. Mm-hmm. Yep. And as we go into chapter six, I really enjoy that she's writing like a hundred different drafts of this letter. Got to get it exactly right. The exact perfect wording. And I can tell that she just really wishes she had a laptop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I like that she doesn't think it's going to be very hard and then it takes her much longer than she thinks it's going to because yeah. it does have to be perfect. And, you know, she can't risk them saying no. So and, and Ron right. even stumbles back from owling his mother. But he looks over and he thinks she's doing homework. And so he's like, got to go to bed tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's like. Homework is kryptonite to Ron. Mm-hmm. Yep. He yeah. can't be around it. And he's sure that she's got her nose buried in a textbook, which is messed up because they've already taken all of their exams and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it's just a couple of days before they're ready to go home. But th- once again, this is Hermione. And he doesn't find it at all hard to believe that she's got her nose in a book, yeah. a school book for, you know, educational type purposes. So he's just as quick to run away. Yep. And she finally gets the letter right. And she sneaks out of the dormitory mm-hmm. and she goes up to the owlery and she finds Hedwig and says, Hedwig, would you come down here, please? Oh, uh, Hedwig is in the middle of eating. She's got a dead rat, half-eaten, dangling from her beak. And Hermione goes, ew, which I'm sure was highly offensive to Hedwig. <laughs> I can just imagine Hedwig going, well, you don't have to eat it. <laughs> if you don't mind, I'm trying to eat it. And Hedwig goes right toward Hermione and 
she's very heavy and Hermione doesn't have an owl so this is a new experience for her here and she talks to Hedwig as though she's a person and says I didn't ask Harry if I could use you but I want to send this letter because and then she explains about the whole situation and Hedwig is just sort of blinking at her owlishly and Hermione says I'd use a school owl for this but I wanted to ask you because you're so much faster and Hedwig just sticks out her leg and implies why did you just do this why did you have to give the whole explanation just do it yeah this is for Harry. Just say, well, I need you for Harry, and it's See, that's not how I interpreted it at all. Is, okay. You know, I, I've read a lot of fic, or I kind of like that um, characters other than Harry, Harry takes Hedwig for granted a lot, and characters other than Harry will compliment Her- Hedwig, and uh, mostly females will do the, who's a good bird? Who's the strongest, fastest, bravest owl in the entire world? <laughs> and Hedwig really likes that, because of course Harry doesn't like think about her like mm-hmm. that. And so I, I kind of imagine Hermione being a little crafty and being like, well, well, I was going to use a school owl, but you're so much faster than the school owls. And Hedwig's just like, okay, I'm going to deliver this, and I'm going to be the best school owl you've yeah, ever I seen. Hedwig is definitely happy to be flattered. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And I like that you've got to chat Hedwig up a bit. you got to praise her. you got to say this is for Harry. And then she'll do it because there's a line right here that says, Hermione thanks Hedwig. And the bird stared at her as though to say that she agreed for Harry's sake. And it was pointless, almost insulting, really, to thank her for something she would do in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a bit of both. Aww. Aww. Yeah. And Hermione ties the scroll and she takes off and flies away into the darkness and Hermione is completely unrealistic because she knows that Hedwig will not be returning so soon, but she stays there anyway. Yep. It's really kind of silly. Um, And she was still there. You can fly from Scotland to London in five minutes. Magic. (laughs) Magic. Well, it really is magic. The owls are magic. I mean, I feel like there's, I think it's pretty obvious that owls are special. Do you think there's a difference between like magic owls and regular owls? Or all I magic? Think so. Or all are all like, owls I don't think you magic? could walk outside and get an owl and have it be like a post owl. Like I think Costco I think that the owl. post owls are special. Owl. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can see that. I, just, I I now have an image of like like grabbing an owl and owls like objecting as you're like time. Because <laughs> like you see, I mean, in the canon, we see like, I mean, like obviously Hedwig understands what Harry says to her for one thing. So I think, I mean, they're not magical creatures; they're not in Fantastic Beasts or whatever. But I think there's a degree of it's possible that these post owls are bred for magic, society. right? They're like needles. Well, they're so like I think. I think no, no. This is my legitimate theory. No, that no, the no. They're not owls are owls that, if, that they have that are that post owls are owls that have been bred for magic. Like all, maybe all owls have like latent magic possibilities in them. And like thousands of years ago, wizards starting started breeding owls for the magic. Okay, and then you I have can, post I can owls, that. which are these magical owls with more magic in them than an ordinary wild owl. I can see that. So they're not, I, I wouldn't say they're familiars, 
Well, what did, what did Hermione call Hedwig in the last chapter? When she said, well, it seemed like Hedwig knew what was going on. Maybe she did know what was going on. Yeah, I, I, I think it's canon that they're familiars. I think we, um, wasn't it a rat, a cat, or an owl, or whatever. When I think of familiars, I always think of his dark materials. Yeah, no, I, it's a little Where different. Like, well, no, those are, those are completely different. It's a cat, a bat, a cat, a cat a, an a cat, owl, a or, a toad, or a toad, or a rat, if you're Ron. Percy and Ron and I you think get Ron was, that was so weird that Ron was, like, breaking the rules. Okay. Um, it's a, Let's it's, call it's, Mike. It's, Mike will tell us about how he was grandfathered in. Mm-hmm. It's right. because, I think, I always thought it was because the Weasleys are poor and that's all they can afford, and Dumbledore just kind of let it go. <laughs> so Dumbledore's like, okay, you can have a rat. Because you just found it outside. You were to afford a pet. You were allowed to bring rats earlier, and in this year they changed it because Percy had had scabbers at the school he was grandfathered in, and Ron was allowed to bring him. I think no. <laughs> I, 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 I personally think it was a pity thing. I mean, Do not the question the mic. The mic logic is irrefutable. I, have, I think I'm more likely to follow the mic logic than I am follow your logic in this end cap because that's just that's just sad <laughs> <laughs> well life is sad I mean don't want to let a werewolf in why not let a rat in well yeah I mean the rat speech Mm-hmm. Well, I would love a one shot of that. Like worst mistake of Dumbledore's career, letting the rat into Hogwarts. Uh, good time. We'll save that one for tomorrow. So, all right, done. We're going into the next scene here, and Harry is the first one awake. He's been having a nightmare. He was back in the graveyard. And he was tied down on his back on the ground between the tombstones, Wormtails there with the dagger. And he says a few drops of Harry's blood aren't enough. And he proceeded to flay Harry alive, yeah. peeling off strips of flesh and wrapping them around the weird fetus creature like paper mache, which is a very, very creepy image. <laughs> that is a creepy dream. <laughs> Yeah, I'd want to wake up from that one. Oh. Yeah. And, and, and what he wakes up to is almost seen, worse. Yeah, I don't know if we've ever seen Harry be flayed alive before. Maybe it was in the year like none other, but... Yeah, yeah I don't know. There there have been some authors who have been some pretty, done some pretty awful things to Harry. Yeah. Well, I'm sure he's been flayed alive. I just don't recall what Which stories one? have happened to But then he wakes up and, you know, he's got Ron snoring on one side and Trevor snoring on the other. Right? In other words, complete normality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is normal. This is great. I can forget the sensation of that knife. No, no, I, I don't. I don't want anything to do with that. Don't want to think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it's. I need to get up. He's very detached from the nightmare and what caused the nightmare, mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to think about it. And but he's awake. He's the only one who's awake. It's barely starting to be dawn, and he knows he's not going to be able to go back to sleep. So uh, just get up and fold socks or something. Then he gets down to the bottom of the stairs, and what he assumes going to be an empty common room isn't, because Hermione's curled up asleep on the couch. 
Mm-hmm. And he goes over to wake her up because he thinks that's what he needs. And he realizes just before he does it that all he needs is for her to be there. He doesn't even need her to be awake mm-hmm. to, you know, be able to let go of the last little bit of that dream. Mm-hmm. She's enough. Just her presence is enough to really help him out there. Mm-hmm. And this is so familiar to him because that's how it's been all year, whether it was the first task with the dragons, um, whether it was trying to prepare for the second task and definitely preparing for the maze and the third task, Hermione has always been there. She's been the one solid rock to him this year. She's been the source of comfort to him. Mm-hmm. She's, and it's she's very, been the solid rock to Harry since the troll yeah. in the dungeon. Like, that's the mm-hmm. one constant of Harry's schooling is that Hermione's there with books mm-hmm. and research to help him out when she can. She's mm-hmm. always been there. She's never been really angry with him. She's never abandoned him, even temporarily. Right. There and, was that whole thing in third year over Scabbers and Crickshanks but she was right. Crookshanks did not eat scabbers, and oh. she was really angry with Ron. Right, and she not was really never... so much Hermione. Uh, she was not really so much angry with Harry. No, it was all for Ron. And it was also her argument wasn't even that Crookshanks hadn't eaten scabbers. It was that you know cats are cats and rats are rats. Yes, and, and I'm going to interject a cat story right here. Ooh. We were uh, sitting down at the table, and we have these beautiful hummingbirds that have just started coming in. And we've been we've had Anna's hummingbirds all year, but we've been waiting for the rufus. They come back about this time. And this beautiful male rufus had come in and lit on the hummingbird feeder. And we were like, oh, wow, look at that. He's so pretty. And about that time, my cat leapt seven feet into the air. Oh, my. Snatched the hummingbird <laughs> off the hummingbird feeder and we went running out going no 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 and he took one look at us and took off with the hummingbird in his mouth was this and it alex was like, no or mama was, cat or desi bernie. bernie bernie is my hunter <laughs> and seven feet bernie, in the air huh he, oh man and we had hummingbird juice all over the window I mean, it was quite the leap. And and you couldn't be mad at him because he was just doing what cats do. But we were so crushed that this male had come in. And then, of course, you know, three minutes after he left, three females came by. And said, I'm so sorry, girls. He's dead. So, but there's a new one. We've, we've seen a new one. And we had a very stern talking to the cat and told him he could eat the rodents. He could eat the squirrel that came out of the trash can in the chicken coop the other day and scared the snot out of me. <laughs> he needs to leave the birds alone. Yeah, I had to move some of the food because the squirrels figured out that's where the corn is. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Damn squirrels. There's the a gray thing- one at the yard here. I saw him the other day. There's one by my apartment that has half a tail, and I have nicknamed him Bob. <laughs> you should tell Bob. <laughs> Poor Bob. I think I told Bob uh, about the Squirrel King like two years ago. I see him from time to time. I'm surprised the squirrel is still around. You, you, I mean, you see a lot of squirrels with, you know, half a tail around here because they're constantly getting hit by cars. It's because they're not smart when they cross streets. Oh, they're <laughs> dumb as shit. Like, they'll just come up to you. <laughs> they're terrible. They get all the way across the road and you start going past them and they go, oh, crap, there's a car. And they turn around and oh, no. eat their wheels. no. City, city squirrels are even dumber than that. They'll walk right up to people because they're so used to the fact that people throw out food and they've made the connection that people have the food and they want the food. 
So I've come within like two inches of squirrels. Yeah, but that's different than getting all the way across the street while the car's passing by and going, oh crap, there's a car turning around and diving underneath its tires. They're dumb as shit. Well, that's just suicide. <laughs> they do it all the time. They are truly unhappy with their lot in life and they just want it to be over with. Okay. What would you do if you were a squirrel? Eat nuts. Okay, I know we're invoking Mike on this <laughs> podcast a lot, but that's going a little far. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I'm saying I wouldn't want to be a squirrel either. No wonder the squirrels. Oh, if I were a squirrel, I would collect nuts and build a nest in a tree and prepare for winter. I don't know. The squirrels look like they have a great time. I've seen them. They play in the trees. They run along the the power line highways. I mean, if you were a squirrel, what type of squirrel would you be? <laughs> I would be a red squirrel. I think cute. Like squirrel mutton. I don't want to oh. be a ground squirrel. They're too scruffy. I would be a flying squirrel. I was going to say I would definitely be a flying squirrel. There you go. <sighs> so. So then I, I love I the word. So I have to just, I love the wording of this. So last chapter, Ron ejaculated and now Hermione is having a pregnant moment. <laughs> <laughs> they trying to stoop subliminally I hope not since this is supposed to be a Harry Hermione fic I don't want to know that Ron ejaculated and now she's pregnant no 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 this is wrong <laughs> oh god so Harry's just sort of watching her sleep and realizing that He's taking her for creep me out of context. Especially after the ejaculation. And oh God. there's an ejaculation and Harry's watching Hermione sleep and he's realizing that they really don't appreciate her. She's wonderful and they owe her a lot and she's just there. She's good to both of them. They they owe her so much. She's never tried to collect on it. She just gives of herself. And then his brain recognizes that he's going into dangerous territory, and he wrenches himself away from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is more of his emotional scarring having to do with the events of that night, and he just he doesn't want to remember anything about it. No. The good, the bad, the ugly, none of it. Um, he's very scarred, and it's a, a vast psychic wound, and anything that pokes at it is instantly shoved away. Right. And then she wakes up. And she just says, what is it? Yeah. No surprise at all that Harry's there. Um, it's completely natural to her that he is there. Mm-hmm. And he asks her what she's doing down there, and she just says, oh, um, I'll tell you later. Yeah, and then he's kind of uh, surprised because she does that a kind of evasion with Ron, but she's not supposed to do those things to him. And then he stops for a minute because he has uh, this own reaction. He's like, since when has it been that way? Since when did he expect her to confide in him more than Ron? But he does expect it. And then he's like, okay, you know, this is how it's always been. And he's taken it from gr- for granted until this very instant. Mm-hmm. And he's just like jolted. Yep. And once again, we get the reflection of all through year four he's been closer to her than ron really right the fact ron was his victim in the second task notwithstanding she's the one who's been there helping him because i i honestly feel that ron has been of no use in preparing for these tasks 
Well, he did. I was, he did let them know about the dragons. Even oh, no, even that, when I was, was yes. even when I was reading book four the, for the first time back in the day, I was really weirded out by the fact that Harry's quote unquote victim was Ron because it reading didn't a seem like that, they, were we? Well, I had, I was just like I'm very concerned. Like I'm confused by this because three of the four people underwater, Harry knows and has some sort of emotional tie to what ensemble they're playing at. Yeah. Right. It could have just as easily been Cho because he was right. starting to crush on her at this point in time. And mm-hmm. and, you know, he had no clue who Gabrielle was and, you know, still, you know, wanted to save her. But right. it, it just it, it definitely was just like what's going like I when I first learned that it was Ron, I was just like, but shouldn't it be Hermione? Mm-hmm. Because he's closer to Hermione. You wonder you wonder who how this was decided is if somebody sat down and decided this or was somehow determined magically. Right. I think it was just arbitrary thinking, quite honestly. Because if you really want to think about it, Harry's victim here should have been serious. Yeah, but yeah, I think if it, it was like, if you're right, if it was determined magically, you're right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think, I, I mean, I don't know what I think about this. I think it could have easily been a toss-up between Hermione and Ron, but because Hermione was Victor's, they went with Ron as the default. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just think, like, Hermione as Victor's was a cop-out of, like, not introducing other, like, random characters. Like, we already had Gabrielle. I mean, we didn't... At the time, we hadn't really... Yeah, I always felt that way, too. I would have we, liked we to have seen need, like, sister or something. Yeah, or brother, or cousin, or best friend, or... Or mother, whatever. or father, or something, or... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, heck, let's put Karkarov under there. You know, something... <laughs> 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 and and you know just because it it it's it was it's very odd to me that she Joe Rowling would and I know this is more for the canon as fanfic discussion but it's very odd to me that you know this he, his victim is this girl that he just met mm-hmm. and I don't think that's a proper oh, motivation he just met the young yeah the 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 significantly like younger girl yeah. And I mean, you know, this creep high school senior dating the freshman. It's happened. I know it's happened, but it's still not the norm, and it's a little sketchy. It's not the norm. It is a little sketchy. You know, it, it's even sketchier when you consider like the young girl is underwater waiting for the senior to save her when her best friend is trying to save somebody else, and it's, it's weird. Yeah. Right. So those that's my two cents on the second task. And <laughs> well, we why can sit around. <laughs> can, can you just imagine though that if Harry had rescued Hermione and left Ron down there for Victor? <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> he would have so got. I, I wasn't sure up. who was for me. <laughs> Crump gets down there and he's like, "Who is this?" And Ron wakes up. I'm your number one fan. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have your photograph? <laughs> yeah, but Crumb would have left him on the bottom. <laughs> I want a, a, a one shot of the second task being like determined magically, and everyone's reactions <laughs> to serious blacks and light popping out of the black lake. <laughs> Uh, I want several one-shots based off of this discussion. (laughs) Yay! You need to ask for this tomorrow in your in your podcast. I'll drop this in because it's awesome. And then people will wonder where Sue went. (laughs) (laughs) Sue operated and disoperated when she was done. I'm magical that way. She is good, like so. 
Um, Harry and Hermione start talking, and they're just talking, and she says, are you going to go spare if I ask you how you are? And he gives her the honest answer, which is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I am. Which I love. Well, it's yes. honest. Well, and it's and so, so much fix- his typical answer, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also, in so few fix, there's, you know, there's a determination of how Harry is. And it's, it's almost never, I don't know. Whereas, you know, in real life, when you're 14 years old, the answer is almost always, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't know jack shit when you're 14 years old. And you know that you don't know jack shit because everyone tells you don't you don't know jack shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I liked where this discussion goes because they he starts to think about the fact that she's the only one that really ever touches him. And we have this mm-hmm. great moment where he says, you know, when you hugged me that first time, that's the first time I ever remember being hugged. That made me cry cry oh my god i mean i want to okay i know but i want to hug him so bad right now i know and it's just like how i want to hug him at this moment it's so god awful sad I mean, and you know it's, it's true. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, it's it, true. That's the horrible it, thing about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's one thing. I know there are fix out there where, you know, Harry, I remember there being a discussion where Harry has never had a teddy bear and Melinda Leo and Jen like dissolving into tears over that. Right. And this is so much worse. Oh yeah. Like it's it it's one thing to never have a teddy bear. It's another thing to never have been hugged ever. But this right. that, but that's not it. Because he knows he was hugged. He knows his parents hugged him. But he doesn't But never remember. Intellectually, but he does he doesn't have the memory of it. Right. He doesn't have the experience of it. And and I would then argue that in his mind he's never been hugged then because he can't remember. Right. It. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And once this is broached, Hermione just takes to this. And now that she knows that he likes it, she's going to do it all the time. And it's like she suddenly turned into a caricature of a Hufflepuff. (laughs) What the hell is a Hufflepuff? Um, I find this to be very interesting. By the way, I lost my keys again to get today, and I lost my mom's uh, shearing scissors when I was <laughs> making <laughs> making the art project today. <laughs> so <laughs> more more uh, evidence to the fact that I'm a bad Hufflepuff. <laughs> I totally thought that uh, on Easter because Trisha said, "I'm really sorry for all of you people out there who aren't Hufflepuffs because Hufflepuffs are good finders, and you need good Hufflepuffs today." And then my mother went out and hid. Some some stuff and it took me 45 minutes and her going you're hot you're cold you're cold you're hot to find the two things that she hid for me it was amazing i can't so, find anything to save my life i was not a good hufflepuff on easter i felt very very bad just do what trisha did that's ask art- the cat that's artificial finding <laughs> But by the way, I know I told Death, but to the other two, the church that I went to on Easter Sunday had a lamb in a petting zoo outside. And my brother and I could not help but laughing hysterically at the fact that they had a lamb there. Oh, lambs are cute. Yes, but lambs are the traditional. Mm -hmm. Oh, you guys don't know. Lamb is the traditional meal for Easter Sunday. Well, you they, you know they were taking it ham. back out no, later. No, ham's, ham's Christmas. Mm-hmm. Lamb, it's always, it's usually lamb because Jesus is symbolic of the lamb and... Mm-hmm. 
And there's that whole bit about my body and my flesh and transfiguration yes, 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 yes. in there. And so. <laughs> transfiguration. It's not, that is not transfiguration. It's transmutation. Transubstantiation. If you're Catholic, if you're not Catholic, like I'm not Catholic, then it's not actual trans, whatever. Transfiguration. Transmutation. Transfiguration. Don't go there. That's a bad place. <laughs> no, don't. Please don't. Drags ever. you guys back to the fic. Drags you guys back to the fic. Okay. Anyway, there was a lamb and I thought it was funny. It and a story. Funny. We're going to move on to the next chapter. <laughs> That's the story. Which is chapter seven. <laughs> um, There's no lambs yeah. in this story, is there? <laughs> Thank God, uh, no. <laughs> I'd probably eat it. But I guess we don't know. We've only read 11 chapters. Yeah. <laughs> And we're at the end of the fourth year, and everyone is looking forward to the summer holiday. They're sort of ignoring Harry. They're trying to forget about the fact that the dark times have come again, uh, even though that somebody's dead. They're trying to forget that Cedric is dead, and even though there was just this leaving feast the other night where Dumbledore stood up and said, Voldemort is back, and look out for yourselves this summer, they're all just... Oh, it's summertime. Everything is wonderful. We're going to enjoy the sunshine and spread seeds of joy and happiness around. And, and go Harry off skipping through the daisies. And yes. go off skipping through the daisies. And Harry is a reminder of things that they don't want to think about. So mm-hmm. they ignore him. Yeah, they they sort of shunt him off to the side and the only person who sticks with him is Hermione. Even Ron's talking about going yeah. to He's talking about Romania. Everyone's making these plans that don't involve him and they're leaving him to the side. And yes. I, I like Sounds the like description we that we get. Caps Lock Harry come out soon. Everybody's leaving me out of your plan. He could. I changed my mind. I want to go to Romania. No, he doesn't want to go to Romania. The SC version of Harry Sunstruck. (laughs) That would be because she has to I'm not just. You're slurring your words, dear. She's just tired. I was just. I was imitating. I can feel myself being drunk. <laughs> Such a good podcasting moment. That's awesome. It's a thing. Uh, I can feel myself being drunk. <laughs> and um, once again, this is like the third time that I've noticed this in this fic. Much like the trope that Ron eats all the time is the trope that Harry does not eat at all. <laughs> He's picking at his food. A little of, just takes a bite every fifteen minutes or so. And just pushes the food around on his plate. And Hedwig comes back and Harry looks up expecting the letter to come to him. But she sits down in front of Hermione and Hermione just shoves her entire plate of food at Hedwig. (laughs) Yeah, here, girl, you looked hungry. (laughs) Which is great. Mm -hmm. And she reads the letter and she just drags Harry from the Great Hall and Ron says, hey, what's going on? He's got his mouth full. full. But I will say this for Ron. He leaves off the plate of food. Actually, I think he picks up the plate and follows them out of the hall. 
Um, it doesn't say that, but I think that's what happened. And he's got a pouch of food still in his cheek. I love that. Yeah. And she tells what's going on and Ron thinks it's a great idea, but he throws out that, oh, sure, it won't be as fun as the burrow and you'll do homework all summer. But yeah, it's better than the Dursleys. Yeah, anything's better than the Dursleys, mate. Even Hermione is better than the Dursleys, Mm -hmm. which is just so hurtful. Yeah, he is. He doesn't know he's doing it, but Harry I know, does. Which and, makes it worse, actually. Mm-hmm. It's He's so casual about it, and I think it's very strange contrasted to the canon where he's very embarrassed about his house mm-hmm. when Harry first arrives there, and he says, it's not much, but it's home. Right. And yet he thinks his home is loads more fun than the Granger's home is, even though he's never been there. Well, it would be just because, you know, the burrow is just fun. They probably have to do homework. Yeah. Like I said, He's like, oh, I'm tonight. sure you'll be doing a lot, mm-hmm. a lot and, of homework. You know, there's no gnomes to get rid of out in the garden. And I, I just think it's a very interesting contrast how he thinks of his home when he's worried about impressing Harry as when he's comparing himself to Hermione. And and all I'm thinking of is, and I don't even know what fic it is, but the fic where he goes home with Hermione and there's a an embarrassing incident with a fork in the uh, garbage disposal. I have so. no idea what you're talking about, but I, <laughs> I vaguely remember this. <laughs> Oh, gosh. He, you know, he, he gets introduced to TV and sports, and, and he and her, her dad get on just great watching sports and stuff. But there there is an incident where he accidentally drops the fork in the garbage disposal. Who, who is the he here? Ron. Okay. Ron goes to Hermione's. And, yeah. because, oh, hilarity ensues. Oh, yeah, because everything is just different because yeah. it's all muggle and he just doesn't know. And I don't know how he can get off saying that wouldn't be exciting and fun. Well, but Harry knows. Yeah, I, mean, I would Harry think- up I, with muggles. It's I, not going to be it for him. But I think Harry, I think, I think Ron would still think it was interesting. It's like, I think Ron, just like Harry thinks the magical world is always interesting and Ron would think it was boring. I think Ron would think the muggle word world would be interesting and not quite realize that Harry wore it. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but Ron doesn't seem you know to take I mean? a great deal of interest in his father's interest in muggle things. I think That's true. Wizards taking interest in the muggle world is an extremely rare thing. Right. That's the way it definitely comes across. I don't think Ron cares as much about the muggle world because... Well, you do always get the moment where, you know, like, they, they first encountered the television or something, and they think it's the most wonderful thing ever. The remote control. Well, that's just like magic, though. I mean, that's not... Look at this. It's a wand. You press this button, and it changes the channel. <laughs> Yeah. So Hermione is totally excited, and and Harry kind of pulls her off to the side, and he says, I, "I'm She's really very excited. excited. She squeals. She does. She and squeeze. Picturing Hermione feeling is just awesome, <laughs> and it's a lot easier to picture Emma Watson doing this than it is book Hermione. Oh, I can oh, yeah. ima- I can imagine Hermione squeeing a lot easier than Emma Watson. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because I mean, think about Hermione's first Hermione year when she's introduced excited. to the library. Yeah, I don't know. I think they both. I can. I'm not Hermione Watson shrieks and shrills and squeals. I mean, these are all dialogue tags that attributed in the canon to Hermione. I mean, I think Hermione. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they get to King's Cross, and there's kids everywhere, and yeah, we switch to her parents' perspective. And we see them take note of Harry for the first time ever, Mm -hmm. apparently, aside from the fact that they surely saw him in Diagon Alley a couple of years Mm -hmm. ago. Yeah. 
but Jake that, and Miranda. That He's is Jake kind of Miranda. telling of the fact that they didn't care at the time who her who their daughter was hanging out with. Oh, they're paying attention to him for the first time. Yeah, yeah that's a so, little strange because I think it's a little bit of an oversight. But I will say I'm glad to learn that her parents are not named Dan and Emma. Well, yeah. Oh God, very, I read that. that. I hate very, that. that. I hate that too. It's a trope very common in Harmony Fic. And I'm very glad to not see it here. But I don't know. I, I, I had friends when I was in middle school and high school that my parents didn't know about. Well, that's true. I mean, it's like, you're not like and they, going She spends two them. months it's, it's with them. Different. She spends two months with them, with her parents. And then the rest of the year, she's, you know, off at school. So... There isn't really a lot of. I think that would make them more likely. I think that would make them more likely to want to know who she's hanging out with. But exactly. she, I mean, she, they met Ron's parents second year at the beginning of second year, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's not like they can meet Harry's uh, aunt and uncle very easily. Well, no, but can they, you imagine they, they the dirt leaves at Diagon Alley? Oh God, <laughs> it's just so wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's not a good. Don't even go there. <laughs> Well, it's like one thing I noticed, and it's kind of a tangent, but it's like the Grangers, or even the Weasleys, never until like um, around Goblet of Fire, even the Weasleys never seem to notice or understand how bad the Dursleys are. You know, like they'll be like, "Whoa, don't uh, Harry's aunt and uncle want to come in or something?" Or like, like you always get the um, I'm not sure if this is canon or if this in effect, but it's like Ron runs up to his parents and is like, "When can Harry come over? When can Harry come over?" and you know, Molly's like, oh, well, I'm sure his aunt and uncle will want to see him. Nearly mm-hmm. like, no. <laughs> That's fic. Yeah. There's one particular fic that I'm thinking of that does that, that um, is my favorite fic of all time. Uh, <laughs> that I mentioned so many times on the Bad Fic podcast. But, um, Revelations. Realizations. Realizations. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, I mean, so... I think a lot of authors who are good authors pick up on the fact that the Weasleys don't take a lot are don't take a lot of notice of Harry beyond fam- the famous Harry Potter. Um, when in second year, when the twins and Ron came and got him, they try to explain that they had locked him up, but Molly isn't hearing any of it because we assume yeah. she thinks they're having her on and they- they're trying to pull one over on her. Um, when, you know, they, I assume because it was never addressed in canon, Harry, the bars on Harry's window are still in Arthur's garage somewhere. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they let him go somewhere over London. I've actually read a figure no, where I, that I mean happened it because to think- where, where Harry's in Arthur's workshop and he finds the bars. Yeah. Wow. And he's like, wow. But when nice. it, it's like when he's that's, out of school. Mm-hmm. That's, that's cool. Awesome. That's an excellent detail for someone it who really remembers. Is. But like, I think the thing is, um, they just don't, like I said, they always think it's kids exaggerating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They put bars like on his windows, mom, and she just snaps back, you better hope I don't put bars on your window, Ron Weasley. Which, I mean, totally wrong thing to say in front of Harry James Potter. Like, that's yeah. bad. <laughs> Yeah. So here, her parents greet her, and you know her father's like, "Where'd the girl go? That I sent off to school. Somebody sent me a woman instead." Who's this woman I, here? I don't. I recognize. love Jake Granger. Yeah. He's awesome. Very, very fatherly and sarcastic. Um, sarcastic, a little bit clueless. Um, he doesn't understand that Hermione is totally putting on a fake here. 
Um, and he steps off to go square things away with Vernon and Petunia and says, well, let's go deal with your aunt and uncle then. And he just steps in and says, oh, hello. And they're like, oh, you have a freak too. And (laughs) that's not a good way to ingratiate yourself (laughs) with him. He's like, I I don't take your meaning, sir. (laughs) I do love the way misanthropic describes Harry through Jake's eyes. He was thin, but Jake thought a great deal that might be the effect of, from his clothes. They were tatty and much too large for the boy's frame. We are so going shopping. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing yeah. is, it's so rare that we actually get an outsider's view of him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And which, which I think is interesting because it's like you can see it go either way. Because I think I've seen, you know, people are like, oh, those teenagers in their baggy clothes and their. <laughs> I've and never I like, seen you know, that. I like the fact that it goes both ways. Um, mm-hmm. What struck Jake, though, were his eyes. When Harry looked up at Jake, they met each other's eyes, and what, it wasn't the gaze of a child. There was sadness there, a sober reserve, steady intensity that didn't have anything to do with glee to be off for the summer holidays. For a second, Jake thought he was facing someone far older than 14. Um, and I love the so fact there, there you go, he's old. She, she, yeah, there, there, there I go. There, he's back to being old. Um, I love the fact that misanthropic draws attention to Harry's eyes, and it's not about the fact that they're his mother's eyes. Mm-hmm. Right. That there's pain and suffering in his eyes that I personally think go, goes beyond what happened in the graveyard. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, years and, and his entire life being an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. And he's never been a kid. No, I don't think so. Not as we typically think of a kid with the carefree attitude about life. Not right. as what Molly thinks Harry really is. It's, you know, completely the opposite, which mm-hmm. is that. Yeah, well, it's like Ryan has said before. Sometimes we forget just what these characters know as opposed to what we know. Mm-hmm. And you get the impression here that Harry hasn't talked extensively about how bad the jerseys were to him. I don't think he... Ron and Hermione know something and think, they know enough to know that they're not good people, but I don't think they know the full details. The way I've always thought of it is Harry has never talked about it with anybody. Mm-hmm. Hermione grew up muggle and knows stuff like this happens. So she has some, she figured some of it out and told what little she's figured out to Ron, um, just so both of them can watch out for him. Mm-hmm. And that's the extent of it. And I, I would be comfortable with the, the assumption in his entire life, Harry never talks about what actually happened at the Dursleys. I would agree with that. Yes, very much. Mm-hmm. So Jake steps in and introduces himself and says, oh, I'm Jake Ranger. You must be Harry's aunt and uncle. And Vernon sniffs and looks at him suspiciously and obviously realizes, okay, this is a normal person. He doesn't look like a freak. And I like seeing Vernon act normal toward other muggles. And he just says, was there something you wanted, mister? Right. He's he's being a little bit polite here. But as soon as he hears that Hermione is the well, – he doesn't even get the name Hermione. But as soon as he hears that Jake's daughter mm-hmm. is a friend of Harry's from school, all bets are off. And, oh, well, freakish involved. Freaks. <laughs> mm-hmm. And – 
He's got this loathsome sneer on his face, and Petunia Which says, oh, let him go. Yeah, just let him go. It'll spare us having to Which put up with him. Which is because you wonder if he thinks that they all, if he if he thinks that, you know, like, say that Hermione's parents would be ashamed of what she is, mm-hmm. you know? I think I think they assume they would, that the Grangers would be ashamed of what Hermione is. Like, he, like does he launch into it going like, oh, you know, they are, they're so freakish aren't they those freaks, you know, like, no, what he he says is, he says, fine, take him. And he snorts and looks snide and says, guess if your daughter's one of them too, you won't mind this freak underfoot. And Jake just loses his cherub like demeanor at that point. And all of a sudden there's a chihuahua there. Mm -hmm. Oh God. (laughs) She's pawing at Harry and, Harry just says goodbye, Aunt Petunia, Uncle Vernon, and he turns and walks away. Mm-hmm. And Jake just barely has, you know, the good grace to say good day. This is good day. Good day, sir. Yeah. <laughs> then he says, you know, Harry, and Harry's like, I'm sorry. Yeah, Harry apologizes for them, and Jake they just sort Harry. of says, well, we can't choose our relatives, can we? Right. And it makes you think that his in-laws are awful people. <laughs> 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 yeah, but I like Harry here because he says, mm-hmm. Mr. Granger, did Hermione tell you I'm dangerous? And Jake yeah. kind of blinks it and says, Harry's <laughs> totally unfazed. Yeah. And, and Jake's says, like, uh, do you, would you like to define the word dangerous for me? <laughs> and stony, Harry's stony stance faltered as a grief, a pain, very childlike, rocked his frame. Mm-hmm. He briefly looked away, then back, and he says, I mean, there are very dangerous people who want me dead. I can't come back to your home with you until you understand that. If you don't want me there, I understand. Right. And Jake is, is incredulous, He and he's thinking to himself, this kid is being serious and saying these awful things and I just can't believe that. Yeah, and finally he just, he, he, he can't wrap his brain around the idea that someone would want to kill this child, this boy. Mm-hmm. And he just says, well, I appreciate your candor. And you can tell that he just wants to get everyone home and then we can sit down and talk about this. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this brings up an interesting thing that I think about sometimes is wondering how much Hermione's parents really believe and or understand about what's going on. And I wonder if perhaps part of the reason why she obliviated them is because they didn't truly understand how dangerous it was. And then I wonder also tying into that, just how much has she told them of what's really going on? I mean, I wonder, I mean, there's two schools of thought on this. There's the fact that she doesn't tell them anything. And then there's the, there's the thought that, well, maybe she tried to tell them and they were like, no, they didn't, they literally didn't believe it could possibly be so dangerous. Like she tried to get them to go and hiding, hiding willingly and they, we don't, we don't get a lot of fic from Hermione's perspective, so we don't see her relationship with her parents, and even in those fics where the Grangers do come into it, it's generally from Harry's point of view, and we don't get a lot of them mm-hmm. other than being completely supportive and, and whatnot. We and don't you have see to keep it. in mind, in, in canon, after Voldemort comes back, Hermione doesn't go back to her parents' house except for like yeah. for like a couple days. This is, a so, yeah. this is a choice Hermione at- made Christmas of fifth year where she didn't go with her parents. Right. She, she knew did, it was dangerous. She, came she back. knew she might die. Mm-hmm. And she came back. 
I mean, I think that was the moment where Hermione chose Harry over her parents. In the canon, when Harry gets to Grimmauld's place, Hermione's already there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like P.S. was just saying, in Christmas of that year, she leaves and goes skiing in Switzerland, I think. But she comes back early to be with Harry. Yeah, I think I think I think the the Christmas moment really stands out to me the most, which is of as being the moment where Hermione chose because, like, it just it's got. I think it it was escalating and escalating in seriousness to the point where it's so easy to understand where Hermione's coming from because it's Christmas. Because clearly Hermione's mom and dad were probably like, "Oh, yay, it's Christmas!" And Hermione's like, "There's a guy who's trying to murder." my best friend and I might die in the next two years and who knows what's going to happen next and she's really not that's what makes me wonder whether she told them anything like I like I I I go back and forth on anything I think she obliviated her parents so they wouldn't ask where she was Makes you wonder how much she actually told them about the mountain troll, the basilisk, the werewolf loose in the yeah. school, serious back. And that brings uh, back the whole thing on how much does the school actually tell these people? Because doggone it, if I mean, my daughter was in an accident with a troll and the school didn't yeah, give the thing, me a jingle you and know, say, hey, just watch you ought to know. I mean, if my I daughter wonder, was petrified by a basilisk. That, yeah. If I have a preschooler that scratches his knee, I have to send a freaking note home. The paperwork involved. Because here's the interesting contrast, though. Triplicate. Well, it's not really. Is that the interesting contrast, though? Is that the Weasleys come to the school all the time, and I wonder if the if the disconnect there is the Muggle parents versus the Wizard parents, and I wonder is the statute of secrecy so screwed up that they can't tell? I bet they can't tell something happens to the kid. I, I wonder if they are legally obligated that if it would be revealing some wizarding secret to the muggles to tell Hermione's parents that she'd been petrified. Yeah, yeah they I, know I, I, about magic at this point. I mean, cred, they've been told that their daughter's magic, so it's not like there's a statute of secrecy anymore but against it, it, them. No, but it's, so I'm going to invoke uh, Stargate now. Uh, it, it, it's kind of like with Stargate. If you watch the show, there are a number of times that people are told about the Stargate program, but that doesn't mean that they get mission reports about what's going on actively in the Stargate program. They just know it exists. That's true. I mean, I think that they tell the Muggle parents with the assumption that the children will grow up and move into the wizarding world. And, you know, I think that it won't spread. I think they try to encourage as little as possible being told, because when you think about it, you know, sooner or later, after thousands and thousands of years, you would have somebody whose relative was muggle-born, like, you know, all over the place. Like, but I think, you know, by not telling anybody, like, I'm sure they have rules about who can know. Like, it's probably, you know, the immediate nuclear family. Like, I mean, I've definitely read fics where, obviously, like, I've, I've, like, for example, I'm going off on a fic I read recently where Hermione's grandmother didn't know, for example. Mm -hmm. Which I'm sure That that would also be the Fic, by the way, Sorry, I must. Be, I, I can see this. This is again. I don't want to look stupid. I skipped but, it. I'm just talking about. But no, you don't know this. Oh, hang on, hang on. Aunt Marge. Okay. Aunt Marge is Vernon's sister. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to tell her. 
if it was yeah, and March. Yeah, and March didn't know that. I mean, that's logical. I, I think they would have been violation in the been in violation of the law had they told Aunt March. Mm-hmm. Of course, because Vernon's not the wiz- Vernon's not the wizard. No, but her memory was probably wiped oh, as well. Yeah. Oh, that, oh absolutely, wiped. she was oblivious. We never see Aunt Marge again, which is a shame. I want to see Aunt Marge coming back in a fic. Aunt Marge. Aunt Marge. I told you the one I read, didn't I? No, maybe. Where, where Marge and Umbridge had a thing together. Uh, oh. Brain bleach. <laughs> like a thing thing? Yes, like a thing thing. 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 Yeah. Oh. I'm going to drink more. Thank you. You're welcome. Anything to what I think is weird. What I think is weird and interesting, and I'd like to see addressed in fix, Vernon knew before they, before Harry came to live with them. Tomorrow night, P.S. Tomorrow night. I know. <laughs> I just say, I I find that interesting that Vernon knew. So it's like, here is a sister of a witch grew up and got married and told her husband. Like, mm-hmm. I find that interesting. Yeah, that I, I find that to know. interesting too. Because I'd never thought about it before. Kind of took it I, for I granted. I it's because she had to tell him, I mean, she, she had to tell him something about her freak sister. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I mean, oh, really was sort of like just sister out for dinner with us. Yeah. She's a freak. <laughs> So I, I hate to move this along, but I know it's very late where most of you are. And it is. It's getting Who late cares? for me. Well, oh, some of us man, do I, actually have to work in the morning. I have to oh, get up at six tomorrow. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, okay. Some of us Let's... have to work with 19 children tomorrow morning. Oh, yes. Well, you're talking right. about it in terms of us, like you're thinking of us. Well, but... I am thinking of you, too, but I'm thinking of me as well and little kids. <laughs> I did not realize that Kat had to be up at six in the morning, so... Um, I do like that what Jake says here is, I don't know if you know this, but before she went to school, Hermione had no friends mm-hmm. and you got, you're her first real friend. And if she wants you to come to our house bad enough to invite you, then I, okay, what you're saying to me that you could be dangerous and the dangerous people are maybe after you. It, I, I'm respecting that and I'm hearing what you're saying, but my daughter has a friend and it's the first friend my daughter's ever had in her entire life. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to risk this so that my f- daughter can have her friend. Yeah, I'm not going to take that away from her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which so. is very fatherly, very much she has him wrapped around her little finger. Oh, yes. And that is a little girl. And this is another point for Book Hermione because I, again, I don't care how, mu- how much Emma Watson says it. I don't imagine Emma Watson, Hermione, not having friends. Annoying as she is. Well, right. you'll see some more of that coming up, too. Mm-hmm. So, we're going into Chapter 8 now? Mm-hmm. Well, we just, Jay finds out about the dog, and he, he's sort of told that it's a special <laughs> the... dog. Special, <laughs> special protection dog. Special dog transforms into a house elf. I really am falling asleep. I was thinking about Jake the dog, and you said that Jake found out about the dog, and I was like, the Jake is a dog. The dog. <laughs> <laughs> P.S. is drunk. It's I'm not drunk. I'm sleepy. Yeah. I can feel myself. I, I drank soda. Drunk. I'm sleepy. It is one a.m. It's one. It's one o three a.m. 
this is very true. And we're just starting chapter eight. We might need oh, to God. revise I a know. bit here. We, have to, we either need to hurry it up or we need to cut it off. One Some other. more stuff happened. Hermione, <laughs> Harry and Hermione did some more other things. And there was the house elf came and they cooked with pants on their heads. And Hermione read her mail. And I'm, I'm listing everything I remember. And Hermione. Can I, okay, can I, can I just make a suggestion? <laughs> can we just change it to character discussion and just talk about what we like just, like about have our character. highlight can we just say what we remember out of these chapters you know like what made an impression on us instead of okay well, so chapter eight death row started off because you have notes we're settling in hermione's putting on a fake for her parents chattering about this and that and every other thing um she's not really volunteering the details about school which makes me wonder what the hell they're possibly talking about mm-hmm. and they're settling in harry is very unsure of himself he doesn't even know what he wants to drink he's very uncomfortable in his own skin it feels like and he has to get used to thinking in muggle terms again mm-hmm. because which, i'm sure if somebody asked him what he wants to drink the first thing he says is pumpkin juice which right. makes me think it made me realize that harry probably has never been in, in another muggle house before besides the dursleys this yeah. is fake well, yeah, but she's that's it well, well she's not she's but she's pretending sort of... to be yeah. She's pretending he to be. He thought she was. He thought she was. And so he he doesn't know how to ask for a soda pop. He mm-hmm. he probably knows brand names, but I'm sure he doesn't know which one he likes because the Dursleys never would have given him anything like that. Right. And he probably doesn't like, know what he likes on TV. Like, he, he knows nothing. Right. And do, Hermione, go ahead. I do like that, and this will be relevant in a few minutes, so I'm going to bring it up, that he asks if he can let Hedwig out because the Dursleys wouldn't let Hedwig out of the cage. She needed to be locked up. And he says, you know, she's really well behaved. She won't cause any trouble. Can I let her out of the cage? And they are like looking at each other going, well, of course you can't. Yeah. For yeah. them, it's a weird question. Yeah. It's a very weird question. And, and I'm and sure Hermione. Like, mm-hmm. And she's just like, and he's kind of whispers to her. Did you hear that girl? You can fly. You can be free. It's very telling. Mm-hmm. Poor Harry. It is. Poor Harry. And so Hermione gives him the tour and they set his trunk in the guest bedroom, which is huge, twice as big as his bedroom at the Dursleys. It's got a queen size bed in it and he feels very out of place and they have a hug, which is interrupted by Miranda. And I note that they drop their arms, but Hermione doesn't step back from him. She doesn't act mm-hmm. ashamed at all of what they've been doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, they were just hugging. I mean, it was They were just hugging, but normal teenagers caught in this sort of situation... Would have jumped back. Would have tried to play it cool, and she doesn't. And she looks at her mother, and it's almost challenging her mm-hmm. to say something. Go ahead. I dare you to disapprove. Let right. me tell you why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. And so Miranda watches them like a hawk during lunch. Mm-hmm. But Harry doesn't say anything. He eats quiet. He's, you know, afraid that he's going to mess up. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to get tossed out on his ear. Yeah. Uh-huh. And there's small details of Quidditch. And Jake is like, oh, quite a sportsman, Harry. And yeah. the Triwizard Tournament comes up a little bit. And it's just very awkward, stilted conversation. And... Afterwards, um, Miranda pulls Hermione aside and Hermione just, she can't handle it anymore. She can't handle the brave face. 
she drops the mask and Miranda's wondering, oh my God, who is this woman here? Mm -hmm. Once again, Uh echoing what we discussed earlier. And Hermione tells her all about Cedric and says, Harry, Harry saw one of our classmates killed. Things are really not cool. Yeah. And he was badly hurt. And well, I thought, you know, we'd almost lost him and, Mm -hmm. and his family. And she's just like, (laughs) (laughs) terrible, horrible, awful people. And I like that Hermione just puts it in spoken language here. She hugs Harry because she's the only one who will. Mm -hmm. She's the Mm -hmm. closest one to him who will do this. And of course we know Molly would, but it's, I mean, I'm not even gonna go there. I'm gonna wait for tomorrow night. Um, Very good. <laughs> yeah, I just keep going. Yeah. Hermione, just she's talking about this stuff, and she's she just breaks down. Mm-hmm. She's been so strong for Harry because she has to be, but this is her mother. This is where she can break down and be comforted, as opposed to being the comforter. And Miranda doesn't fully understand here, but she understands enough. And she approves. Yeah. At and one point she says, you know, I'm not upset that I caught you hugging. I just want to make sure there's nothing I need to worry about. And Hermione says, yes, you need to worry. But you don't but not need to about worry me. about me. You need to worry, you about, need to Harry. worry about Harry. And not because I was hugging him. It's not like there's anything going on that way, really. But <laughs> really, yeah, he, but <laughs> you know, things have been really, really bad for him. And he's he's having a really hard time. You know, he's got post-traumatic stress syndrome going on here mm-hmm. a, and she's trying to explain it to him. And yeah. she does. She just totally breaks. Yeah. And it is very sad to think about it from her perspective. There's nothing illicit going on. She's just comforting a friend who is mm-hmm. not used to receiving comfort. Right. And when she says that she hugs Harry because she's the only one who will, it's it's so sad. No, it is. And it just makes you want to cry because no child should have to go through this. It's get hexed really, really badly. <laughs> oh, I have plans for the Dursleys. Oh, I can't wait to read them. I don't so have any plans per se, but <laughs> reading stuff like this makes me want to come up with stuff to do to them. Mm-hmm. So, so we, we switch move. to the next chapter, and Harry's trying to explain Quidditch to Jake, but he's very tense around Jake. He, you know, he doesn't quite know how to act. Uh-huh. He's, Which is normal and typical. Right. And I know that all of this is subconscious and it's coming from the fact of I slept with your daughter. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't take it that way at all. Okay. I took it in, in, you know, when Harry first meets Arthur, he's the same way. And I think this has everything to do with for 11 years, he had one male role model and one male ro- role model only. And that was Vernon and Vernon awful. set the example of how adult males treat kids. And Vernon hit him and neglected him and was an awful human being to Harry. And wanted him to be invisible. And, and, and wanted him to be invisible. This is very typical of kids of abuse that mm-hmm. they, you know, they're, they, the people who are like their abusers, they will shy away from and be very nervous around. Right. So I, I think know enough about Jake to not be nervous about it around him yet. So it right. took him a while to be okay around Arthur, but now he trusts Arthur because he know, knows how Arthur is. And now he has to do the same with Jake. Mm-hmm. Right. But they're yammering and the girls come back in and Harry immediately notices that Hermione has been crying yeah. and his chest monster rises up. <laughs> 
It does. And he goes into total protective mode. He goes right to her. He, he stands up and you get the impression Jake was in the middle of a sentence. And Harry just bolts to his feet, takes big strides across the room, does it in about three strides, and just hugs her and pulls her away down the corridor. And What's wrong? What's wrong? And it comes out that she hasn't told her parents everything that's happened at school. And but she, she told admits, him about Cedric. She told him about Cedric. And she apologizes for revealing his personal business. And she admits out loud that her parents are muggles. And this is part of, I mean, we know this happened in canon at some point, mm -hmm. but she just recognized that they are muggles and they have their limitations. They love mm -hmm. me dearly, but there's not much they can do to protect me or help me in this war. And they've obviously not read the fix where her father has a gun and uses it to shoot Voldemort. Okay, what well, what was what was the fix that they were in Hermione's house and Hermione uh, Hermione's father got the gun? That's been driving me crazy all Sunset evening. Sunset over Britain. No, it's something. It was. It, it was. It have been a podcast. Covered by Fofoa in either okay. season three or four. And I'm pretty sure it was season four, and now it's going to drive me batshit. No, it wasn't season four because that was our season, and Ryan was in on that one. So it had to have been season three. Okay. I'm waiting for Pottertick Weekly to actually open. <laughs> um, wasn't Lioness, wasn't Power, wasn't... I don't think he was Psychic Serpent. No. No. Wasn't in Blood Only. Tale of a Tale no. on Gone. No. Stealing Air. No. 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 Rebuilding Life. It's not any of these. No. Dang it. No. Dang it. This is going to bug me now. All right. We can move on. Okay. But Harry is going to fight Voldemort. They just... Excuse me. They discuss this. And the question is, will he let Hermione help him? And it doesn't matter what he says to that because she's decided that she is going to help him, whether he says so or not. And he realizes that he can't stop her, but he also recognizes that he can't lose her. And I think this is more general. I don't think this is specific to her. I don't think he could bear to lose any of his friends, but she's the one that he's with right now, and thus she's the focus of this. And before, the idea of taking on Voldemort only meant his life. Now it means her life and the life of all his friends, and he needs to fight so that they can be safe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is Harry to a T. This is the Harry we know and love and despair over sometimes. And this is him with his saving people thing. And he'll do whatever he has to in order to protect the people he loves. Right. Mm -hmm. And we move on to Jake and Miri. And that's how I will refer to them for the rest of this discussion. <laughs> I'm going to shoot you, aren't I? Probably. And Jake that and Miri. Name, but it's, it's used in story. So there you mm -hmm. go. And they discuss how they're kind of nervous about this whole thing with the magic community and whatnot. But they recognize in their discussion that they can't make Hermione choose between them and Harry slash magic. No. Because they might not like the answer. Right. Yeah. Yeah, make, making so, precocious teenagers choose between one thing and the other, like, not a wise decision. No. Mm -hmm. They'll, they will go with what you don't want them to go with because they're contrary. Yes. Mm -hmm. And what we find out is that Miriam 
has a book, one of Hermione's books about yep. Harry. And there's and a whole chapter devoted to Harry. To she Jake. just hands it over to Jake and says, read this. And he's mm-hmm. like, he has a book? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I like this, dear. And he says, well, at the train station, he stopped me and he warned me. He told me he was dangerous, or rather that he had dangerous enemies. And I don't know that I rightly believed him. What boy his age could do that? But, but then I does. read this, and it's yeah. true. And I can tell that Jake has a nodding, reluctant respect for Harry because he did tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And I think that matters to Jake. Right. He may not understand fully, he may not approve, but he respects that Harry was straightforward enough to tell him that there were dangerous people after him and that he might be in danger. Mm-hmm. So, and, so I like that. Yeah. So they're, you know, talking about it and, and he's like, well, I'm not sure I like this. And it comes out that she's the only one we can trust. We're going to have to trust our daughter and just see where it goes from there. Mm-hmm. And they're in the middle of this great discussion and there's this. Holy big interruption. All hell is breaking loose. Mm -hmm. And you think it's Voldemort has found them and the Death Eaters are attacking, but it's actually just Kimmy. (laughs) Kimmy and Hedwig who are having a bit of a tiff. And hi dad, uh, meet Kimmy. Oops. You needed this because stuff was just getting much too serious. Mm -hmm. And it had been serious for way too long. We needed some comic relief. And it turns out that we're going to dye Hedwig black. Yeah. I also think this is a clever solution to, like, every fic and every canon story. It's just like, Hedwig is going to be seen. Hedwig is a white owl. And it's like, can we please do something about this, maybe? Okay, let's say goodnight because we're going to lose PS. We already did. We lost PS. PS went out. already dropped off, yeah. Okay. She was too tired. She was falling asleep, so she's gone for the night. Well, she's never going to last tomorrow night because we're going to be up for hours. Mm-hmm. and We better start earlier. Yeah, We're starting well, at 8, thank God. You won't have a fic to have to read before uh, we start. That's, so. that's true. So they're going to change Hedwig's colors. Harry pleads with her to let him just do the let Kimmy just do the color, not actually change her shape because yep. she's such a beautiful bird. And, you know, she looks good as a black owl. Mm-hmm. I can imagine it. Oh, yeah, Me too. I could too. It brings out mm-hmm. your eyes, dude. <laughs> and she just looks at him as if to say, shut the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) don't patronize me Uh, so we introduce kimmy to the grangers and and you know she says it's not nearly as awkward as it could be to protect harry and they're like but you're a dog or when you were a dog we just threw a bed on the floor for you now we need to find another guest room and kimmy's like no no i live in the hall closet (laughs) that's okay i've appropriated the hall closet no worries (laughs) the grangers are like do we have to knock <laughs> Do we have to knock before we open the closet? No, no, it's fine. Uh, which is great, and that will come into play in a later mm-hmm. chapter. Yeah. So we move on to chapter 10, and Hermione is sorting her mail mm-hmm. because she gets a lot of correspondence when she's not at school because lots of people write to her even though she has no friends. Right. I yeah. don't understand this, but whatever, I'm going to go with it. I assume she's looking through the two occupant and. <laughs> She tutors the Gryffindor underyears 
and they're all asking her for homework help. I believe okay. that. I, it I does say that. that she sorts it into different piles. So I think some of it's like to occupant. And I'm sure there's different, you know, library there's- associations that she belongs to and museum associations that she belongs to mm-hmm. and things like that. that Is there spam about. mail in the Wizarding World? Well, it's all the stuff that wasn't important enough for her parents to send on to school right. for So her. it's not going to be like letter corns correspondence not very much of that because right. they would have sent more of that stuff on it's it's other things it's your okay. library card renewal. dear miss granger would you please consider supporting the library foundation with a donation mm-hmm. yeah that's exactly it and harry's just laying on his back on the floor with his head behind his hands behind his head and he's just relaxing. he's doing absolutely nothing and it is blissful to him oh, it is i can because... imagine this is the first time in his life that he's doing absolutely nothing mm-hmm. And it's wonderful because if he were at the Dursleys, he would have had a list of chores to get done by the end of the day, mm-hmm. and he'd be halfway through it already. You know, he'd be washing the windows or trimming the hedge or painting the house or washing the car or repaving the driveway mm-hmm. or putting on a new roof or, you know, using a backhoe in the back garden, you know, something. Right. And he's and just, and she thinks she's boring him, and he's just like, oh, this no, is this so is wonderful. Cool. You have no idea. I love this. And then Kimmy comes bustling in because they're being quiet. And when- No, hang on. Uh, he's looking around her room and oh, he notices right. that there are no pictures of Ron. Yeah. There's one picture of him and Hedwig. There's one picture of Harry with the Quidditch team after a victory in third year. And there's a picture of Harry and Hermione at the Yule Ball. But there's no pictures of Ron. No. And the excuse is that Ron is not photogenic because he's always making faces. Mm-hmm. And I can nephew. believe that. Oh, I can yeah. totally believe that of Ron. Every time a camera shows up, blah! <laughs> yeah, that's my nephew. He ruined the Easter shots again this time. Oh, he's got to make faces. Yep. So and I actually make faces a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Kimmy does show up and she's worried that they're being too quiet. You're not getting into mischief. When Masters Albus and Aberforth were quiet, it usually meant that they were making mischief. Mm-hmm. Thank no you, baby Jesus. So often they have Gideon and Fabian being the past mischief makers. It's Albus and Aberforth. I love it. <laughs> well, yeah. I, you know, when you first read it, you think, oh, she thinks there's hanky-panky going on. And then she says, well, you know, when Albus and Aberforth were quiet, then there was mischief going on. And you're like, okay, well, she wasn't thinking they were doing hanky-panky, so it was just Well, I don't know. Albus out. is gay. Well, yeah, but not with his brother. Come on, we're not going there. <laughs> Uh, and (laughs) so yeah she's worried there's mischief going on you're not getting into trouble okay very good and And harry decides he's gonna make lunch which is so awesome and just harkens back to the canon because he was by and large the house servant for the Dursleys. Mm-hmm. He did the cooking, he did the cleaning, at least when he wasn't off at school. Right. And I'm sure they saved stuff for him to do. Oh yes. Oh yeah. So oh, he'd have a we'll bunch have to the do boy do that when he gets home from that freak school of his. Right. Oh, keep him busy and out of trouble. Like mm-hmm. the new roof and so on. Yeah. So and Hermione's like, Well, I can throw something together. Which... And he says, No, 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 I can make lunch. I'm good at it, trust me. Yeah, let me in 
impress you, Hermione. Mm -hmm. And then Kimmy wants to help too. So Kimmy's going to go in and help him find things in the kitchen because it's not a kitchen he knows. Because Kimmy Kimmy is obviously a Hufflepuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, she's a house elf. They're supposed to be helping. I mean, I imagine that for a house elf, idle hands is very bad. So the devil's work. Mm -hmm. And so we go into the next chapter and we switch to Miranda's point of view. She comes home for lunch, which is weird that, um, he, her husband, um, whose name is escaping me at the freaking moment, Jake, um, Jake does not come home as well, which is weird because I thought they had the same practice. But, Jake had paperwork to do. Oh, he had paperwork to do. Very good. And so she's astonished to find Harry making lunch. The wizard wireless is on from <laughs> Kimmy is tapping with the beat and Harry is wearing boxers on his head. Well, because Kimmy's wearing them on her head, too. So he decides to do the same thing. And my question was, did he whip out his own boxers or did he borrow <laughs> a pair? I'm very sure that Kimmy lent him a pair. They were blue and white striped. So they are pedestrian that's, enough that's that Harry might have that they might have been Harry's own at this point. I, and I, I like to think that Harry is currently pantsless. Well, it, it gives me this vision of of you know the sleight of hand, right? Where the magician goes, "Okay, I'm going to take the tablecloth off the table without moving a single thing." So Harry's like, "Okay, I'm going to reach my hand in my pants and I'm going to pull out my boxers without any problem." <laughs> I've seen people do that live. Awesome. We'll pull out like so, a, a layer of clothing from underneath another one. It can be done. I'm sure it so can. Especially it, it can be done. Magic. <clears throat> House elf magic. I'm yeah. sure I'm sure Kimmy helped. Oh no, we don't want to go there either. No, uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> That's just yeah. not right, Sue. That's really not right. I'm surprised you went there. <laughs> I'm too tired. <laughs> and it's not so, nearly as late for me as it is for you. Yeah, you don't get to say you're tired. And so Harry has made vegetable soup from scratch. Mm-hmm. And he's made a huge mess in the kitchen. Uh-huh. And he apologizes for making the mess. And when Miranda's there, he just whips the boxers off his head and says, Oh, I wasn't doing anything out of the ordinary. No, of course oh, not. No. Would never. And but he does toss the boxers to Kimmy, so maybe they were hers. That's possible. Maybe he chose the most pedestrian like pair that she had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who knows? But yes, we have vegetable soup from scratch, and she's amazed because Jake and Hermione know how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and that's it. <laughs> so when Hermione offered to make lunch earlier, Harry is very glad he insisted that he do it, because otherwise he might be poisoned. <laughs> yes. The one thing Hermione cannot do is cook. Right. And so Miranda's kind of... Now, here's the thing that I don't get, because if I'm remembering, and and I haven't read past these 11 chapters in the reread, but I did read this all at one point. Miranda comes home fairly regularly for lunch. Uh Uh-huh. So why didn't Hermione go, oh, well, Mom will be home to make lunch in a little bit? Probably because, I mean, so when my um, mom gets home from work, she does half days. 
So she gets home at like 1230 at the earliest. Mm-hmm. And when my dad's there, he often will make lunch for her. And have it waiting. And have it waiting because she only has 40 minutes or so before she has to go back. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, that makes sense. So anyhow, Miranda wants... Oh, the, the, the only thing I was going to come up with is that it's not regular what days she's home for lunch. Because who knows, at 11.45, she might have the boy come through the door who took a baseball to the face mm-hmm. and needs emergency reconstructive surgery. Right. So that's, I can, that's the only thing I, I can, had was that her right. days, off, her lunch schedule was very erratic. I can imagine, you know, Harry, this is a, like at 1030 here. It's like, I'm going to go make lunch. And Hermione's like, it's like, ten, it, I was going to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches right before mom walked in the door. Like, <laughs> yeah. But if you want to make lunch, I'm just going to answer the mail. Go for it. Yep. And then an hour and a half later, <laughs> there's vegetables yeah. too on the mm-hmm. counter. <laughs> Vegetable soup. Yeah. And poor Miranda, From she's scratch. feeling a little left out. She's like, okay, if I can't cook, how about I set the table? And Kimmy's already got the table set. Over the silverware and the napkin. And- yeah. Well, maybe I'll go get Hermione as Kimmy goes barefooted down the hallway to get her. And she's like, uh, yeah. he's like, just sit down. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll do that. And then. And she Harry says, I feel dishes. I could get used to this. Mm-hmm. And then Harry tries to do the dishes. Oh, yeah, and she scolds him. Absolutely not. She scolds him a little playfully, and Harry does not take it playfully. No, not at all. And no. he gets he gets very defensive, and he is insisting that he's going to do the dishes. And it's Hermione who says, no, you really don't have to. Mm-hmm. And only then does he relent. Right, yeah. yeah. And then she says, why don't you come and help me? Mm-hmm. And so they, they go in to help, and Miranda walks in on them, and Harry and Hermione are at the sink doing the dishes, and Kimmy's putting them away with magic. And so they're, like, floating around and opening and closing, and Miranda's just like, okay, I'm going to go back to work now. Mm-hmm. And Harry is impressive. He is most impressive at cooking. Mm-hmm. And it comes out that the reason he's so skinny is because he never gets to eat any of the food that he prepares. Right. Which is mm-hmm. so very sad. Oh, but, no. <laughs> but, reflective, but, but reflective of canon because the Dursleys were having the Masons over and there's this roast and all this magnificent oh, food. Totally and, yeah, and Harry got bread. two slices of bread and a lump of cheese. And that was it. After working it, out in the yard all day long. In line of the people that I have in line currently to be hit over the head with a cast iron skillet are first the Dursleys, then Draco Malfoy, then Katniss. <laughs> Yeah, we've just jumped universes there, but okay. <laughs> a little bit, but that's okay. She wants to see Draco entered in the Hunger Games. That's what it is. Oh yes, and, I do. I want him and, dead, and no one volunteers to save him. Please God, yeah. And we take away his wand. Yeah, and we take his okay. wand. That that just makes it. That and, would be so wonderful. If someone wrote me a one shot of that. I would be the happiest person in the world, and I would have to come up with something to give you. We'll so. save it for the Plot Bunnies episode tomorrow. And she gives good gifts. Hermione, Hermione, Hermione just has a hate on for the Dursleys mm-hmm. when she hears this bit that Harry never gets to eat the food that he prepares. Right. And she says she might hate them more than she hates Voldemort. Yeah. And that's pretty intense. 
she wants to be there when Harry leaves the Dursleys and she wants to tell them off personally. And I bet her telling off will involve a little bit of Latin. <laughs> yes, oh, I'm probably. sure. Her, her birthday is in September. There's plenty of time for her to practice her magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I like that, that he makes this soup for them. It's something he really likes to do, but it's not something he's had a lot of practice because the Dursleys don't like it because there's no in it. Yeah. 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 He likes heftier dishes. Yes. And of course, Harry says, well, I can't wait to see this. Assuming. And she's, she's like, assuming what? And he's like, assuming that I live that long. And yeah. don't say that. You are not going to die. Mm-hmm. And he wants to argue that she couldn't possibly know that. And he can't promise himself. But he just can't bring himself mm-hmm. to say it. Right. He wants to believe her. And he can't bring himself to shatter these hopes that she has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they hug. There's, yeah, there's a big hug. He knows that there's a very real possibility that he might die in the next few years, which mm-hmm. is, you know. Um, and then the subject turns to homework. Yes. And she. I love, I love the acknowledgement that Harry actually enjoys doing his homework when he's home mm-hmm. at the Dursleys. Right, because it's, it's a and distraction he, from the Dursleys and from Muggle life, and it reminds him that he's a wizard and mm-hmm. that one day this too shall pass. Right. And he and he'd never tell Ron that like he liked doing his homework because Ron wouldn't understand. No, Ron would Correct. Understand. Ron Ron and homework is like Superman and Kryptonite. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't mix. <laughs> it's true. And the he's the only no. The old, uh, he's starting to realize that all these little digs that Ron has been doing to Hermione are just digs. And he's never yeah, thought of it hurt. that way before, but they're hurtful. And yep. he's going to decide that Ron's going to have a little come to Jesus meeting here pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. And, he's going to have a talk with Ron and say, it's not cool when you say stuff like this because it hurts our friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's our friend, so we're just going to stop. And I like the idea of the Grangers having a library because that's really how I imagine Hermione growing up with just a vast amount of books all over the mm-hmm. place, yeah. um, mm-hmm. which is much like my apartment is right now. <laughs> yeah well i will admit to completely aiding and abetting cat in a used bookstore on her visit over here mm-hmm. we were just driving by we saw the used bookstore and i made a completely split second decision to just yank the wheel to the right and pull in and we went inside i found a number of very cool books in hardcover that there were three bucks each and i said "Ooh, i'm gonna get these and she found a few things. I pulled the one off the shelf for her and I gave it to her. I said, here, buy this, buy this, buy this. <laughs> and she I had to use the hard, I get to use the hardcover that Death pulled off the shelf back because I didn't have space or space. wait yeah. for it in my suitcase. Which Did was she sad. tell you about the used bookstore I took her to? Oh, you haven't been to Powell's yet, have you, Death? <laughs> Oh, Probably you have to get a Powell's. Oh my God, that's like bibliophile heaven. Powell's <laughs> is the largest ga- bookstore in North America. I had a nerd gasm in there. Nice. Well, and, and didn't you find a first edition hardcover copy of Harry Potter? It's uh paperback, okay. not hardcover. Sadly. But still, it was a very so, sweet yeah, deal. I was very excited. Yes. Nice. Very nice. As it was, I found hardcover editions of the Timothy Zahn trilogy from the Star Wars Expanded Universe. 
which is awesome because my paperbacks are falling apart. Well, that's great. They are the only books or some of the only books in the expanded universe that I feel are worth reading and purchasing. And in addition to that trilogy, which was the first of the expanded universe books, aside from like Splinter of the Mind's Eye, he also wrote a duology set many years later. And that was also there in hardcover for three bucks each that I picked up. So I spent like Star Wars. Yay, Yay, Star Wars. And And back to the second zone when I am. I'm really sorry. (laughs) I have to get up at six. Yeah, well, I think we're pretty much done. Just we about. Are? It's such a 12. Yeah. I thought we were no, going... only going to 11. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not awake anymore. It's okay. Yay. Yeah, Yay. no. Why did, wait, who told me we were going to 17? No. Uh, that was the original breakdown that you did. We changed it because it was too much. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We hit 11 chapters, and we've come a really good way in 11 chapters okay. in most in typical book fix and i include the canon here we are already back to school at this yeah. point oh yeah and totally. so we've covered a lot of ground here some of the chapters are short mm-hmm. but we've we've covered a lot of ground there's a lot that's happened already in these chapters there's a lot of growth and a lot of change in the characters as a result of the events in the canon Yes. Uh, we're seeing a very realistic, quote unquote, um, <laughs> fallout of the characters. And they're not just, oh, everything's fine and we're going to end the book here because we've already had, you know, a thousand pages of action and so forth. And we're just going to pick it up in the year five. And Harry was moping around having nightmares. No, no. We're, we're charging right into this. And it's definitely a different way to come at a fic than you usually see. But it works. Yeah. It works tremendously well because we're picking up when the characters are in a very good place. Not good place. They're in a bad place. But they're a good place for writing. Mm-hmm. And we're getting some of this emotional turbulence. Yeah. I'm and, really I'm really excited to um, read this fic. I, I'm notoriously, you know, I, I'm, I'm well known for two things. One is my hatred for Draco Malfoy and the other is for the fact that I don't really ship. Um, but that being said, I've always been a little curious why Harry matched up with Ginny because the way I view Ginny is that Ginny is, you know, good and, and, you know, Harry and Ginny get along and I think they'd be really good friends, but Hermione is really the one who was able to hit Harry over the head and give him the come to Jesus moment Mm -hmm. that he needs a lot of time because Mm -hmm. of his being raised at the Dursleys and immediately thrown into a situation where his life is constantly being threatened and the rest of the time he's famous and you know, half the time people like him, half the time people hate him. And Hermione is really the one constant throughout the series that, you know, is able to make him stop and evaluate what's going on from an outside perspective. Mm-hmm. And I've always kind of wondered where the canon would have gone if Harry and Hermione had hooked up. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that this was done really well. It doesn't drop you into the middle of it and say, okay, Harry and Hermione have a thing. This 
I mean, yeah, they second chapter or whatever, there's stuff happening. But it's done in a respectful way. It's done in a way where you can see it happening. Where this I, relationship is going to go somewhere. That little piece is an outtake in time. That was something that was two people that were reaching out in a moment of need. And then it's not thought of again. Well, sort of it is, but they don't talk about it again. And mm -hmm. what we're going to see now is two people that have been friends are going to explore this relationship that they have and they're going to go about it very slowly and they're uh -huh. going to build up to it and that is okay i'm not having a problem with this because i can see how this is growing into this relationship and it's not like all of a sudden somebody said oh wait a minute these two have to get together and just go with it because they're together she's giving us very good reasons why they're together she's giving us very good reasons why it works and it does work so i'll second all of that and i will say that if you read this story if, if you take the first four books of canon you read them and then you start reading this fic it's not a hard task to get from point a to b to c mm -hmm. to d it's really easy to go mm -hmm. with and not to bring up the shipping wars too much, but Ginny really isn't present in the first four books. No. She really isn't. You go back and there's maybe a page worth of dialogue that she has all together. Mm -hmm. Ginny's character is non-existent. And a lot of the post-Goblet of Fire fic that was written that was Harry Ginny, you could make it that way because Ginny was whatever the author wanted her to be because there was no character to speak of. And a fic that goes in a different direction. I know this wasn't written post Goblet of Fire. It was written post Half Blood, Half -Blood Prince. Prince. Mm -hmm. But there's plenty of stuff in the first four years to build upon. And you can establish the beginnings of a relationship. You can lead the relationship towards a romantic pairing and it is it can be believable if it's done right because the characters do have this history that is built up it mm -hmm. starts with the troll it moves on into the petrification and then the, the whole trying to figure out serious black thing and then the, in the triwizard tournament where hermione sticks by his side and she's utterly faithful to him when everybody else falls by the wayside you can see where the roots of this relationship are and it comes very believably if it's written well. And I think misanthropic here has done it quite well. She has emphasized all the right points in the relationship between Harry and Hermione. She's the only one who's never left him. She's been there for him through the good times and the bad. And this is just one more bad thing that she's going to help him get through. Well, and, and she gives the nod to Ginny because Ron says, oh, well, mom's going to be sad that you didn't go and Ginny's going to be sad too. But, it, I mean, but it's, I mean, it's still there because that, that little nugget, she had that crush on him. Yeah. Yep. And it, it's there. it can and grow or it, it can't grow, but it's still there. And I like that she left that there. Mm -hmm. I can see how the story is going to go in a different direction and I don't have a problem with that, but it could have just as easily gone and been with Ginny if that yep. was the way she wanted to go. Oh, yeah. And what I find so interesting is that we're 11 chapters in and there has been no Ginny. No. She's, she's been Ginny. mentioned, but she has had no on-screen time. She's had no dialogue. Yeah, well, that's consistent with the movies. 
that is very consistent with the movies and it's consistent with the canon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I, I think my, the fact that I don't ship is a direct result from the, the shipping wars because I just, I mean, I saw fanfic, it, it, you know, I saw bad fanfic on both sides and I saw good fanfic on both sides mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter which way you want to go as long as you do it well to me. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, as long as it's, you know, I've, I've, I have read so much fan fiction at this point in my life that I have, you know, I have seen crazy shit going on in fan fiction and not press the back button. So I can mm-hmm. deal with the Harry Hermione and be like, oh, okay, this is, you know, just this is the, this is the twist. Yeah. Let's go along with this and see where this leads us. And I think where it's going to lead us is a really neat place. So. Yeah. And I think it's going to be very interesting and I'm really looking forward to the next set of mm-hmm. chapters. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Death Rolls, for giving this to us and putting it on the list for us because you're quite welcome. Good. And I, I appear to have closed my notes. Um, and- I don't. I don't think I had anything else to say. Um, Yay. Say. And purple, purple Kosh is going to bed. Okay. Purple Good night. Kosh. Good night. We wish to thank you for participating in the podcast tonight and we wish you all a very good night. Good night, everybody. <laughs> good night. So hold on to the wonder that those books Brought to our lives. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night.